Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Mowers, start your engines. It's the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Great to have your company on a Saturday morning. It's a brisk, brisk one in Sydney. Adam Peacock with you. Once again, Nick Davis. Well, he came back for one week only last week, and I think he was coming back this week until Andrew Redmayne came on for the Socceroos, and he's keen to avoid me after the Socceroos. Glorious passage was opened up thanks to the pause of Redmayne earlier this week, and they're off to the World Cup. And Nick, is it some suburban ground coaching AFL today. So Morgan Tiranui, former Wallaby, is here of Stan Sport. How are you, Morgs? Mate, very happy to come off the bench. He never works, does he? Is he, is he at the track? Is he coaching? What's he doing? I don't know what he's doing. He's, he's cashing a check from someone, I'd say. But Nick, if you're listening, go the Socceroos. <laughs> he gives it to me. He'd be on the bandwagon now, surely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We all are. He's like one of those uh, trains in the subcontinent <laughs> and you've got like 4,000 people on it. He's right up the front, like just surveying the land, he's probably trying to get a gig as a kicking coach or something like that for the Socceroos. <laughs> yeah, he'll have a role there soon, surely. <laughs> How's things, Morgs? Very good, very yeah. good. In the middle of rugby season, coming into Super Rugby, the final this afternoon, and then all eyes move to the Test Series with the Wallabies. So exciting time for rugby, and just like you with a dad running around after kids watching sport as well. I saw you with a big Randwick uh, rugby club puffer jacket on just to keep warm in the, uh, the, the sunny climbs of a... June, Saturday afternoon, so you'll be here, there and everywhere, like a lot of the listeners out there, the parents out there, ferrying kids. Yeah, that's it. Unfortunately, my wife, Alyssa, does most of the heavy lifting because uh, I'm in here this morning. Although I had the puffer jacket on because SEN are doing their bit to save energy. It was freezing in the office this morning. <laughs> well, Put the heater on. Well, you know, like taking credence from Matt Keane, telling everyone to switch your, switch your power off. Gibbo's here and he's... Summer outfit, as usual. How are you, Gib? Yeah, good thing. Well, you know, when you've been here since 5.30, guys, <laughs> you tend to warm up a little. But um, Straight in again, eh, Gibbo, yeah. from the session? Uh, no, never. never. You know, Adam, you get a slap on the wrist, and if you don't <laughs> change your actions, then that's on you. Yes, so I've turned a corner. Morg's great to have you, mate. Oh, super to be. It's good. It's good to have someone prepared. Actually, there's a rundown for me and everything. Oh. I actually know what we're talking about today. Awesome. Um. Rugby this afternoon? You playing Gibbo? No, we've uh, we've got a Wednesday night fixture instead. Ooh. So move over State of Origin. Well, it's on Sunday, but uh, yeah, we've got top billing, <laughs> Tantal and Oval taking on Maccabee, who are off to the Jewish international games. Okay, so they're gearing up for that. It it, it does have a, a bit of a different vibe, doesn't it? The the midweek specialty under the under the lights instead of yeah. the weekend special. Well, you know. Normally, Div 6 Subbies Rugby is always there's a different element to it. But on a Wednesday night, it could be anything, honestly. Mate, I actually just did a, a nice dinner with the, with that whole team, the Maccabee team, the Horwitz boys. Dave Horwitz played super rugby, obviously, for the Waratahs. 
Many people know he's playing for that team with his brother Sam as well, and they had a function there. I've never eaten better than at the Horwitzers on Thursday <laughs> night. The function they did, they pulled the Johnny Blue and Green out, and it was and, oh. and, and the old man said Gary Horwitz. You can give him a free plug. The Horwitzers and Maccabee, their field to fork restaurant in the east. And he made these truffle burgers. I tell you what, I nearly didn't fit through the door this morning. It was that good. So hopefully they ate too much and you guys can towel them up. Well, there you go. You didn't need the heater on. You just got the insulation yeah, from I do it. have a couple of layers these days. What was their 5'8 looking like, Morgan? Um, Is he looking handy or? Uh, he looked pretty good, actually. Oh, uh, he okay. hits hard because he's Dave Horwitz. He's played 50 games of Super Rugby. Yeah, he won't be playing in that team, surely. Yeah, I think he's going to have a run. He needs yeah. it. He's playing. He's going to Israel. What about the open side flanker? Is it some six foot five? Samoan? Nah, nah, no, no, Samoan. The, the best thing is they talk about recruitment. They're just trawling through team lists looking for <laughs> Jewish-sounding names, trying to find heritage. Hey, hey we're, a, we're a multicultural society. It's not to say that someone from, you know, could have bonded over the relationship and then produced this behemoth to go and play rugby and smash Gibbo one night. Well, there's already blow-ups within that whole community because South Africa have a Nigerian Jewish prop who's about 140 <laughs> kilos, and the only way they know he's Jewish because on his Wikipedia page it says son of Jewish parents so they think that's uh, enough so whatever enough. gets them in there there's some recruitment going on anyway listen uh, you're listening to the the mowers club brought to you by Toro mowers and uh, the the competition's finished finito at toromowersclub.com.au you about 3,000 entries or, or yeah, the like uh, Toro were really pleased with that. Um, they are contacting at the moment all the winners, so they're still finalizing those details but yeah that finished on Wednesday so big thank you to everyone who joined in the competition and yep. uh, yeah if you won you'll be hearing from Tyro pretty soon sweet now welcome to listeners on 1170 SEN in Sydney 1620 SEN on the Gold Coast listening on the SEN app and the Mowers Club podcast all across SEN the podcast are going gangbusters across everything including us here on a Saturday morning absolutely don't roll your eyes like that Gibbo we're, we're flying um, call us on 1300 01 1170 also the text line 0457 736 736. Now, coming up on the show this morning, we're crossing live to Japan, Morgan. Mitch Duke, who was uh, the starting striker for the Socceroos on Tuesday morning, and also one of there was a five aside team that congregated by the pool in Doha for a few hours I did after. see this, yes. And he was leading the line in that as well. I think Martin Boyle might still be in that pool <laughs> with his shin pads on <laughs> and full kit. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll cross over to Juki. Um, Matt Dunning, former teammate of yours as well. Well, he's only a former half-teammate of yours these days, Matt Dunning. He's, uh, he's in remarkable shape. He's an actual shadow of his former self. And his favourite saying is, you know, what Phil War says about him, he's the only player in the history of professional rugby to look better after playing than he did <laughs> while he played. <laughs> so we'll catch up with Matt a bit later on. I, I want some stories. Surely between you two, like... PG, obviously, nine to, 9 to 12 on a Saturday morning here at SEN. Uh, and Australian Golf Digest reporter Evan Priest, who is uh, on the course in Boston, and we're all set up for a magnificent weekend at the US Open. There's some uh, big names at the top of the leaderboard, none bigger than your man, uh, who you might have or may not have um, had a little investment on, Morgs. John Rahm? Yeah, there's a, there's a little punters club uh, in the Stansport Rugby crew. Ollie Silverton is our producer, and Sean Maloney. A good mate of yours, and and, and mm-hmm. we we're, we're on Ram. He's probably our only one left. We've had a crack. I had a crack at um, Xander Shoffley. He's rubbish. He's no good. No good. So I've done my cash there, and I think we've got Ram, and that might be it near the top of the leaderboard. So we're all in on him. Colin Morikawa is up there. Rory McIlroy's up there. Scheffler's still there. Beats still the heart of 
Nick Davis, who's just oh, he's in love with what he thinks he's Rory McIlroy, actually, Nick. But um, yeah, uh, McIlroy's one off. Morikawa at five under. Uh, John Rahm, unfortunately, Cam Smith he missed the cut by a long way. So um, we'll bring Leash? To... Leash is about one over, I think, with a hole to play. Yes. Yeah, so he'll make the cut. But I don't know if many Australians are going to contend because it's a pretty stacked leaderboard towards the top. Uh, and, of course, later on, Lord Sir Tristan Melahan from topsport.com.au will be joining us to give us all the odds, the rundown, everything. And you get to have the stupid multi this week. So you can have a multi on anything you want, and it can be stupid. Yeah, thanks for the uh, heads up. <laughs> no worries. So anything you want, anything you're allowed to. I don't know if you yeah. you're precluded from with accreditation practices across Rugby Australia or anything like that from investing in certain sports, but go wide. You can go on yeah. Latvian lacrosse if you wanted to. Wow. Can we get a price on Wednesday night's fixture? <laughs> Gibbo? Get a price uh, yeah. on Gibbo surviving it? Can we get a couple of try assist markets up there for oh. me? Because uh, over and <laughs> okay. unders, I'd say over two and a half. <laughs> Ooh, a little same game multi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll build a multi for, from top sport. The home <laughs> of the best multis. I hope your opposition isn't listening, Gibbo. No, <laughs> I can assure you, they definitely <laughs> won't be. Might be listening on the podcast on Thursday, so <laughs> retrospectively. Yeah, true. Uh, NRL, remember, SCN every week will broadcast four games, including this afternoon. The Sharkies taking on the Gold Coast Titans from Coffs Harbour with Matt White, Tim Manor, and Gary Pelcher. Do they get to go up there? They, is Whitey up there in the, with the crew? Yeah. At I, the Big I think, Banana? I think they might be. Bastards. Coffs Harbour. Gary oh, Pelcher lives up Casharina, I think, so he'll be close yeah. to him. Come on down. And They're probably on the 5th at Bonville right now, aren't they? Oh, <laughs> that's the warm-up. That's a nice place to be, isn't it? 5th at Bonville. What wasn't a nice place to be? Hawks last night was Four Pines Park around the seventy-fifth minute mark. <laughs> As a manly fan, twenty-six oh. twelve up, cruising, and then whack, whack, whack. Wait a minute, lost the game. The Cowboys immense comeback. Well, he was it was all over. I remember, I remember they were just thinking, oh, we'll just let's not put players back on. Let's save them for next week. We're, let's look to next week. Let's, where's the table? What's the live ladder looking at? Oh, if the Bronx lose, we're looking good here, and then. What happened? <laughs> it's, it was weird. It Like sitting there, it was one happened and you went, oh, no. Yeah. And usually when one happens, you go, oh, that's all right. We've still got that buffer. But yeah. the immediate thought was when one went over, it was like, oh, no, as a Manly fan. But, yeah, Cowboys just don't give up. Like um, I had a chance for my other gig, Code Sports, to go and chat to a couple of uh, – Bit of bruising. Yes, thanks, Gibbo. Well done, Tim Warren. <laughs> <laughs> is he the king no, of the bruise, is he? He's just tick one off. Tick yeah, one okay. Off. Cool. Tick one off. Well, went down and the Cowboys uh, had a chat to a couple of them and uh, they were saying that our their preseason was just brutal. But you'd know it, Morgs, when you're preparing for a season and you're going through it and you're miles away from where the end goal is, you're thinking to yourself, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this run in 90% humidity? And it's 4,000 degrees, blah, blah. But then you get to a night like last night in the last 10 minutes, and they just run over the top of you. Yeah. And, and you can go to those reserves. And when you're in it, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. It's surviving that minute, that mm. session, that week, that block. And especially especially where they do their preseason, it's not a, it's not gentle like Sydney is. And, and it's, a, it's a different season. It, it is a, a war of attrition. It is consistency right throughout the season, the rugby league season. Rugby mm. was very much around peaking for big things so you could be quite scientific. There's still an element these days of just being tough in rugby league, mentally tough to be able to fight through it. And the Cowboys look like they out-toughed Manly. Mentally so. Yes, yeah. definitely a Manly not there. Uh, Melbourne 32, Brisbane 20. Pretty good performance from Brisbane. A lot of uh, lot of injury issues for the Bronx. But uh, Melbourne, as Melbourne do, 
Got another win for a change. Uh, also in Melbourne, St Kilda got dusted by Essendon last night in AFL. Um, Bombers have been under the cosh big style um, down there. Did you ever fall into an AFL team down there? I stuck with the Swans, obviously. Okay. The Tars, we were pretty tight with the Swans boys there. So I took it down there. One of my best mates is a St Kilda fan down there. And he just has the worst life. Never seen them win a competition. Uh, what is it? What is it, the hope that kills you? His hope yeah. has been gone years 1966 ago. 1966 was yeah. the only He still one. refuses to, to book hol- uh, holidays around September because he thinks they're going to go deep just in case. And then halfway through the season, he starts looking at Hawaii and places like that because <laughs> he knows they're in trouble. Uh, got a mate on the board there as well. Adam Hilton, every year it's, oh, we're going to be 5-0. and we're gonna, This is the year. This is great. The five-year plan's coming to fruition. <laughs> oh, poor buggers. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, the Saints have a tough run ahead as well. They're looking to stay in the eight. All of a sudden, they looked at it as a top four side, but uh, they've got games to come against the Swans, Carlton and Frio. And Frio is certainly a very good side, as the other two are on their day. NBA, um, don't know if you caught this yesterday, Golden State, too good for Boston in uh, in game six. Steph Curry didn't land a three-pointer in game five. I think it, it broke a streak of some ridiculous stat where he's landed at least one three in a playoff game, but then bounced back and drains 34 points and his name finals MVP, averaging over 30 for the finals. What a freak. Yeah, and, and to go and do it there, game six, go and do it away, knowing you've had that one in your back pocket, that that's that's a great performance. You know, a lot mm. of teams are thinking, oh, yeah, we, we might be a chance at game six, but we've got them covered when we move back home. The advantage of having that last one at home. They didn't. They showed they are the true champion team by going and doing the business away from home. Uh, the golf, as mentioned, we'll bring you up to date with Evan Priest um, totally in about 45 minutes' time with uh, round two wrapping up in Boston at the US Open. Nick Kyrgios is into the semifinals of Hulla, which is one of the big uh, grass court leading events to Wimbledon. They've got Queens on this week in London and over in uh, in Germany. This is the, the event that Roger Federer basically owned. I think he literally does own part of it as well. But uh, overnight, Nick beat um, the Spaniard Pablo Carreno Busta. 6-4, Love saying that name. Uh, and he plays Hubie Hercatch, who was the man who de- last defeated Roger Federer in his last ever match. That's why Federer wants to come back, I think, because he lost that last set that he ever played at Wimbledon 6-love. Yeah, you, you can't you can't let him be that trivia question. <laughs> no. Roger's thinking, I don't want to be playing trivia pursuit with my kids when I'm a bit older. And that question comes up. Where do you stand with Nick? He uh, he was at it again last week when he lost to Andy Murray in Stuttgart. Yeah, it's, it's the – is it the year now? I don't know if it is already. No, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. just oh, – you, you want to love him. You want to love him unconditionally. It's like that kid that is, is, he's sneakily your favourite yeah. but continues to disappoint <laughs> you at times when you hope he will. He's amazingly talented. He does great things. And what was great to be be down at the um, the tennis at the Australian Open this year was was seeing everyone, the entertainment factor of getting behind him. Mm. If we can just have a little bit more decorum, I suppose, on the tennis yeah. court, we'd be happy. But maybe we just have to take that flawed part of him with it as the total package to enjoy the entertainment value he brings and possibly connects with different fans for tennis as well. Maybe tennis needs guys like that. He, watching him, it says a lot about yourself, about what you get out of. Which way you are. It's yeah. the human condition, <laughs> yeah. personified. Yeah. Like how you how you react emotionally, Gibbo, to watching someone like Nick Kyrgios play tennis. If you get carried away, why would you want to be disappointed by someone who you know you're going to be disappointed by eventually? I love Nick Kyrgios. Yeah. I think what he's doing for the game, and I think a lot of younger people as well like Nick Kyrgios and what he was doing with the cock. Unbelievable stuff this year. Mm, incredible stuff. Absolutely. Um, by the way, you 
it was that a side benefit, was it, of being at Stan Sport? Oh, you get to was. go to the tennis. Don't worry. Well, then I milked <laughs> I it. I didn't miss that. I absolutely milked it. I, I want nine. Need to get all the rights to everything. I'm in the office of Mike's knees, but I'm saying, I want Olympics, I want everything. What else can we get? They don't have the Olympics. That's what I'm saying. I want it in the future. <laughs> Sneesby, be a, oh, said, okay. You I want, want Sneesby to go I'll in and open the, the check. Yeah, come on, let's yeah. go. So Morgan so, can go on junkets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. LA. LA. LA, 28, 32, yeah. Brisbane. Yeah. Commentate the sevens. Well, go into Sneesby's office next week. Yep. And say, Mike, buddy, pal, the next World Cup, soccer World Cup I'm talking about, men's. Yep. It doesn't have a broadcaster yet. The 2026. You know where it is? USA, Mexico, and Canada. Oh, yes. See, this, this is it. This is... Have, you got, have you got Mike's number there? Yeah. Let's I'm call allowed, him on air. I'm not allowed to share it. Cole, call it. No, no. I don't you, think he knows that I have it. Let's go through the switchboard. <laughs> <laughs> Open the checkboard. Mike, Morgs wants to go to the World Cup. What else can we do? We've got the French. We've got the Wimbledon yeah, as well. You've got all the tennis covers. You've got the USA. Well, I'm not important enough to get a gig on those yet, but I'm working hard. Yet. Yet. Uh, surfing, Gibbo, you can come in here. El Salvador, good result for one of our best uh, at yeah. the El Salvador. What is it, the Open or the? It's the work. WSL event over there. I think it's the Surf City Pro, Adam. Surf El City Salvador Pro. are trying. So they got a new president, a young president, and they're trying to change their image within Central America as a good surfing tourist destination. Uh, you know, there's a few sketchy things that happen there, but anyway, Steph Gilmore, she won the women's side. She won a comp last year in Mexico, if I remember correctly. This win for her is awesome because it takes her into the top five. Now, in the WSL, the top five all compete in a finals day. And if Steph can catch fire, she could potentially win her eighth world title. So really good for her. On the men's side of the draw, Griffin Colapinto from America. He he won the event over Felipe Toledo, one of the good Brazilian guys. Hmm. Uh, in the semifinals, three out of four were Brazilian. Now, Morgs, I'm not sure if you follow the surfing, but on the men's side of the thing, the Brazilians dominate. Yep. Felipe Toledo, Gabby Medino, in, uh, Medina and Idolo Ferrero, they all dominate. So it was good to see Griffin Colapinto get a win. The next stop on the tour will be over in Brazil. So hopefully the Aussies can catch a bit of fire. They tend to uh, not like Brazil too much, but hopefully they can get a few wins. I like Brazil. Great joint. Well, the Brazilian surfers actually really changed the game. They're the ones that brought back lots of aerial manoeuvres mm. and then some of the classical surfers, the sort of bigger, heavier, taller guys were struggling. The little guys, little Brazilian guys that came and did amazing tricks really just changed the game in surfing. It's probably another thing Stan Sport need to get, the surfing <laughs> rights. Is Absolutely, Fox, yep. <laughs> Adding <laughs> the surfing will go to everywhere, France, El Salvador, Brazil. But, well, take me there. But yeah. the thing with the Brazilians is what's really cool <laughs> And the uh, attitude starting to change towards them because they're like a big family on tour. They all get around one another. Like yep. uh, Gabby Medina and Italo Ferreira both lost in the semi-final. You know, usually they'd be down, but no, they were there supporting their man, Felipe Toledo. So it's good to see. And Australia are trying to do a similar thing. Mm. So they're all trying to be one big community and hopefully they can all lift each other up. Oh, if, if there's one thing that you want to emulate, it's a Brazilian. Uh, we're off to a break on the Mowers Club. And uh, overnight, we're going to talk about this. And, Morgs, I want your take on it because you've experienced something like this. England absolutely gave it to the Netherlands in the cricket. It was an incredible scorecard. We'll talk about that. Don't forget your text on the text line. Let us know what's on your mind this morning on the Mowers Club, 0457 736 736. 
Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Oh, nearly. Just got there before the end of the stinger. I forgot about my mic not being on. Uh, Adam Peacock here with Morgan Tiranui, chatting all things sport, Toro Mowers. Thanks for your support on the Mowers Club. Now, overnight, did you see this, Morgs, the cricket? It's all the score, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I went, oh, are they playing a test? No. England was sent in against the Netherlands. It was in the Netherlands. Peter Sela, I'm presuming of Sheila, normal persons, he sent England in and England proceeded under the guidance, I think, now of Matthew Mott, the Australian, four for 498 of their 50 overs. Milan, 125. Salt, 122. Butler, 162 off 70. Owen Morgan, first ball duck. <laughs> That's missing out at oh, the buffet, isn't it? Geez, you've just gone, oh, this is going to be a feast, this is. The best is Peter Seller walking in. Boys, I've, I've won the toss. Yeah. I reckon there's a little bit in this. <laughs> I reckon there's a little bit in this pitch. We get a couple early, we can put these guys under pressure, he said to his bowlers. <laughs> and his bowlers have just thrown meat pies. Now, Morgs, back in 03, when you were running around – with great aplomb, I might say, as well, for the Wallabies. You were involved in a game. Was it Adelaide Oval, was it? Australia 142, Namibia nil. At what point does sorrow enter the equation for your opposition? Uh, then, th- not in that game, it didn't. Why? Not Because, you know, they, they were enjoying themselves. They were loving it. Oh, it having was a great, great time. They, mate, they're, they're, they're in Australia for a World Cup. They'd done so well to qualify. They were, mate, they were genuinely happy to be there. They, they still tried to belt the crap out of us. So after the seventh try, did you look over and there they are huddled behind the post and they're just singing a song oh, and, like, yeah, yeah, you know, having it's... a little dance no. and having no. a great time? Look, it was – that level too, World Cup was – was there was very much a, an element of some of the bottom teams, the Romanians and Namibia, they were mm. happy to have made it. It was an experience. Um, I think Australia welcomed them as well and looked after them and that. In the game, it was fun. Like, it was fun to, to have a, a test match where, you know, you could have a bit of fun. You could try all the plays that you practice in the last two minutes of training that Eddie Jones looks at you and you know that you're not supposed to play <laughs> in a normal test match. Um, so it was just – it was a fun day. And it was also an opportunity for lots of guys in the extended squad to get a lot of game time. Chris Whitaker was a captain. So yep. it was a different – Greg's got a rest. And, and Chris Whitaker, who was a really popular member of the squad, great servant of the game, he was a captain. So it was a bit of a celebration for the group. Man, it was a, it was a sold-out crowd at – at the Adelaide Oval, they had another game. I think Argentina and Ireland the next day. So it was a great weekend. There wasn't, there was, you know, it, it wasn't enjoyable to win by that much in terms of the context for the Namibian players. But they were genuinely happy to be part of that spectacle. Did and I scored two tries. <laughs> well, not three. No, Latho scored five. Oh, that's right. So yes, he's just a hog. Did did Eddie pick fault? In anything? <laughs> no, he didn't. Did he, did he no, have... no, truthfully, he did And probably because that the next week we had to go to be part of possibly the greatest sporting day in history when we played Ireland um, at uh, what, what's the now Marvel Stadium mm. in, in uh, Melbourne on Derby Day. Mm. So it was a great day for supporters of, of all great things Australian. And it was hard for me not to sneak out to Flemington before the test match. But 
Uh, lots of us resisted, uh, but it was it was very much have, have a great win, have a great celebration. We had one of the funniest court sessions celebrations after the game back at the hotel. Kangaroo Court. Yeah, where we invited yeah. um, Darren Lehman into the court. Yeah. And so a lot of us hadn't met him. I think Greg's and a few boys had met him. We're having a few quiet beers, and then suddenly he stands up and yells out the top of his voice, nude court. And drops his pants, and everyone just sort of looked at him. And go, oh, that's not the that's not what we do here, mate. <laughs> it was funny. It was funny, but no, it was good. It was just a great celebration for the group, and then we moved on to the serious stuff, which was Ireland had to beat Ireland to finish first in the pool and on to those final series. And yes, even then, everything was about focusing on meeting the All Blacks in the semi and, and how we we're going to beat them. So that was a great fun day for us. Mm. You've told the story before, but I, I like telling it because I was actually there, I think, two days later because you were based in Coffs Harbour, weren't you? You're flying up and back and basing yourselves in Coffs Harbour. Gibbo, old mate over here gets the first four in the Melbourne Cup. I don't know if you want to do a bit of retrospective Googling there on the 2003 Melbourne Cup, but it was a six-figure sum, the first four. It was a very good World Cup for you, wasn't it? Morris? It was a fun World Cup, actually. <laughs> that's pretty good, actually. The only bad thing was that, that after that, which we don't talk about too much, the great man, Matty Burke, and I weren't in the team for the quarter. Yeah. So we just, I just looked up. He's probably on about 800 a year. <laughs> and I think I was on about 50, but it was my shout for about five nights. Oh. Anyway, we had, we had non-22 fitness on the Friday morning and we're running together doing 120-meter sprints and then 260-meter sprints and, um, Eddie's watching as he always does. And yeah. Berkey, instead of looking after me and just sticking by me for shouting him for five days, he just takes off and flogs me. And I'm battling, absolutely battling. <laughs> He's able to back up from our nights and I can't. And I just get screamed at by Eddie. So it wasn't all <laughs> fun and games, but it was it was a fruitful uh, World Cup, that's for sure. Hey, we're off to a quick break. Uh, bit of news and we're going to review the week with our Toro Mowers, uh, Mowers Club week in review on the way. Visit toromowersclub.com.au to win a Toro mower and heaps more. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Let's put a line through the biggest stories of the week with the Mowers Week in Review. There it is, the uh, the whippersnipper. It does sound a little bit like a tinny chainsaw. <laughs> It's the whippersnipper with the mower to start things off, and we'll bring the blower in a bit later. Uh, yeah, this is the week in review. Um, quick one on rugby league. We talked a bit about the, up the top about uh, last night's games, but NRLW expanding by four teams. Too much too soon, Morgs? No, no, it was brilliant this year. Get into it. Get going. Accelerate. Yeah. AFL, AFL did the same thing. Just go with it. And there's money in the bank with rugby league. It's a great board, broadcast product. They mm. bounced back well from COVID, um, you know, I'm assuming here a little bit around the finances. Um, while the momentum's there, just go. And, and there's, got, there's got to be a great hunger from, from say, Canberra and North Queensland in those geographies to have that product. I just go for it. it it's not great for rugby because that what happens at the moment too is, and even AFLW and that lots of up, things, yeah. it's all about – it's the same talent pool. Mm. Um, so this is great for rugby league. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out financially. They, they do need to be – not prudent, but careful, because it is an investment. Well, the netball is a, is a bit of a lesson at the moment, isn't it? It's extraordinary what, what's happened in netball with the, the finances. And it it kind of got uncovered. Linda Pierce at Code Sports um, had the exclusive story about taking the grand final to Perth because they basically sold the rights to the grand final, but they didn't tell anyone what they were doing <laughs> yeah, or why, why they were yeah. doing it. And then two weeks later, all of a sudden, there's an investigation by News Corp into 
the books at Netball Australia, and it's uncovered the fact that <laughs> they're $11 million in debt, and you reference the player payments, and I'm not saying they all should take pay cuts, but the player payments is 93% of the broadcast deal. That then means that enormous pressure on your commercial department to try and find sponsors, to try and prop up the rest of the organisation, to run the organisation. It's it's not tenable going yeah, forward. Yeah, I suppose by comparison, Rugby Union, the player-generated revenue, which is a similar way of looking at the way that they would in their CBA and netball, uh, it never really, I think it has to be at least 29% mm. of revenue is spent on the players, and it, and it rarely, if ever, goes over a third. So that's, that's pretty standard across the sports. Yes, exceptions need to be made around promoting... Th- yeah, the players through netball, but over ninety percent is just madness, and and that is you know someone's asleep at the wheel there. Yeah, horrible stuff. So um, yeah, exciting news for NRL W fans and also young emerging rugby league players of the female variety because they've now got a lot of choice to to do what they want with their career, which is um, good to see. Uh, Jack Whiten's going to be out of Origin too, so that's a massive blow because he let's face it, he was New South Wales best player in uh, in Origin one, and now it's a case of who do they tip in? Who do they put in? Crichton obviously came off the bench and didn't have the greatest night when he came off the bench, but maybe it might be a different story when he starts the game. Uh, Staggs, he, he's there as well, even though um, he and Tupo look like, or well, they were chosen for Tonga, but they're going to choose New South Wales because of the clash next week. How do you feel about that, having Tongan internationals being eligible for origin? I think it's it's almost logical these days. Um, I, I is the good point is that they're not going to play at the same time that Origin's on, but in terms of things like a World Cup, I don't, I don't mind that. I, rugby's going down a similar path around players with dual uh, international experience. Mm. They, you know, and Israel Folau is going to play for Tonga against Australia A in Fiji next month, having played 50-odd tests for the Wallabies. So there's a little bit similar. It almost makes me think more about what players missed out on playing Origin. That would have been amazing at that stage because, you know, uh, Sonny Bill Williams yeah. uh, in the origin stage, if, if those sort of eligibility things, yeah, mm. if they were different. Um, James Graham, imagine him in an origin game. Yeah, some guys that just would have been suited to origin and in the mm. middle of the park especially. Um, yeah, obviously the interesting one is around what they do with Luttrell. The Bunnies have just got him right with his hammy, uh, get his body right, uh, not playing this week. They probably don't want him picked, do they? Probably not. Probably not. Any any latest there, Gibbo? Breaking news, you got your ear to the ground? I always got my ear to the ground, nose to the ground as well. Jason Demetrio <laughs> spoke throughout the week. He was sort should of get that fixed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't breathe throughout <laughs> it for some reason. But um Jason Demetrio spoke throughout the week. He was saying as much as they want Latrell to be playing in these rep games, he just isn't fit enough. He's coming back from a hamstring injury, first of all, and then with COVID. On Monday was his first run with the team and he barely got through the session. So I think it'll be a bit too much, but yeah. If there was a player who would be able to do it, Latrell probably could. But I know you hate those sort of things where the team comes over the origin side with Tommy Turbo. But, yeah, I don't think Latrell mm-hmm. will play. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an anti – like Ruben Cotter, for instance, last night. I'm sure I didn't see the broadcast. I didn't listen to radio or whatever like that. But as soon as he did his hammy walking off, reports would have focused as much, not so much on the Cowboys, but uh, Queensland. It's like, hang on a minute, who's playing who here? He's been paid by the Cowboys. <laughs> he needs to play in this game for the Cowboys to tr- for them to try and win it and get two points in the competition. It just seems like the the NRL competition's devalued somewhat during the ori- origin period because all the focus is on that. And what for? But Adam, this is origin. Oh no, it's origin. It's origin. Sound like raps. There were origin this tackles origin. and origin. <laughs> oh wait, Jeez, we missed him, didn't we? Ah, uh, yeah, I but, missed him. 
I missed him. Have you seen him around the halls of Channel 9? Hello, oh, Morgan. I think he's up on level nine with the big dogs uh, down where yeah. I am. He's, he's on the golf course. <laughs> exactly that too. In front of Sky Racing as well in the afternoon. Football, Socceroos off to a World Cup. Wow. What a call by the Socceroos coaching staff to go 119th minute. So I'm, I'm sitting at home, minding my own business in a quiet lounge room with the sound down, just trying to get through the morning and get the central nervous system across the line because it was – it was pretty frightful. I look down, I look back up and I see Andrew Redmayne running on and I think, am I still asleep? <laughs> what is going on here? I don't know if you watched it live, Morgs, or just saw the highlights or whatever, but so pumped, especially for the players, to be able to now experience and look forward to going to a World Cup after outperforming Peru, even though it was nil-nil and one on penalties. They outperformed Peru in a cutthroat playoff over there in Doha. Yeah, I got to see. I actually got up perfectly in time for the shootout. Oh, nice! I missed, I missed every, and then yeah. I actually went back and watched most, almost all of the game, just to just see how how we didn't. I heard everyone say how well we played, but just couldn't get the decisive score. Yeah, especially how good we were in the first half. Yeah, after seeing that, that was impressive. Um, and yeah, so are you, what were you, were you thinking? That was a mistake when I, you see the goalkeeper change. Is it just strange? It was. It was so. Like there was no way in the world anyone would have been thinking that apart from the people who made that decision. No way. Like it, I just cannot like emphasize enough how big a surprise it was. It wasn't like you looked at it and go, what the hell are you doing? It was like, what the hell is happening? So you could agree. And I've seen Redmayne save, um, win Sydney FC a grand final, uh, in the A-League over there in Perth by doing the same routine, doing the Wiggles routine, coming up big in the penalty shootout, saving a couple preparation, John Crawley, the soccer who's goalkeeping coach, who's been a little under the radar in the last couple of days about what he was able to provide. He would have had all the analysis on every single Peruvian penalty taker, where they would have put it, the mind games required to play, the water bottle thing. John Crawley spent mm. five years in South America. <laughs> I'm, I'm saving one for a year and a bit later on with a few of the reports saying that wasn't nice and we shouldn't be doing those things. <laughs> no, nah, do what you can. So, yeah, it just... Unreal. And now we take on France, which won't be easy. You know a bit about French football. Once had a son in a PSG academy. Look at you, you breeder of elite sports people. You. Yeah. He's seen the light and come back to rugby. I wish he'd have stayed, to be honest. <laughs> Killing Mbappe. You want to get... I was going to sign him up. I was going to manage him. Take so my percentage. France, Denmark uh, and Tunisia are the, the three pool games. So not easy, um, but not impossible. There are worse pools to be in, surely. Worse pools. There's, there's one with Japan, Spain, and Germany. And there's Orojo. That's where you, you take the Namibia approach and just so happy to be here. <laughs> there's no Namibia's in yeah. this World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> what was interesting, have you, I've seen the comms around that was always the plan. Yeah. With the three goalkeepers and the goalkeeping coach, they'd planned that that change was coming. Was that so that, say, a Redman could focus almost solely on Pretty much, Stopping yeah. penalties in the preparation so that they knew exactly what was going on. Because he's not even the number two. Say if Matt Ryan got injured, Danny Vukovic yeah. comes on. He's the second goalkeeper. You're allowed three goalkeepers in the squad. Redmayne, it was purely brought in for that, and they, they cooked it up about a month beforehand. It's like, firstly, to even come up with that plan is one thing, but to keep it secret as well, that's not easy. That's tough, yeah. And Matt Ryan didn't know about it. Oh, he didn't know. He did not oh, know I about it. I saw the comms and assumed the three goalkeepers together knew who was working He had on no what. idea until his number went up. Wow. And you see, and it, you know, when you're hit with a shock like that, you kind of find out a bit about a person. Matt Ryan apparently went straight up to Andrew Redmayne in penalty shootout and said, anything I can do 
but no ego whatsoever. Just left. He doesn't have ego, so I'm not saying he left anything at the door. He doesn't have it in the first place. But and he was the first to celebrate, and he's just so pumped. So, yeah, heartwarming tale. Well, that's team sport, isn't it? That's yeah. that's the difference, isn't it, with some of the people we talk about. So, mm. um, that's it's good to see the Socceroos are a true team, and they're off to the World Cup because of it. Wallabies named a squad, uh, Morg. So we've got these test matches coming up. We've got England on the way, don't we? And we've got the rugby championship as well. There, there is a bit of hope with Australian rugby that uh, things have got better. And you certainly look at the results in Super Rugby and they've got the final this afternoon without an Australian team. Blue's taken on the Crusaders. But things are a bit better. And how's this squad? Has this squad got more depth to it than anything we've seen in the last couple of years? Yeah, it certainly does, I think. To be fair, hope has turned into expectation, which I think is great. I'm expecting oh, the Wallabies to win this test series against England. Uh, England will come with a good side. They've had a big, long year of, and they're battle-hardened team with obviously Eddie Jones at the helm of them, and he'll, he'll be motivated to do what he did in 2016. Um, it, it's a, you know what it is? It's a squad without surprises, which talks about that depth. All the guys that have performed well in Super Rugby this year have historically been good the last couple of years for the Wallabies are there. The three overseas guys based in Japan, Quade Cooper, Simon Karevi, and Marika Korimbedi are back as well. So it's, it's a pretty settled coaching staff and playing group. Dave Rennie obviously rates Quade Cooper highly, correct? Well, he do, well it's an interesting one. Obviously, we've talked about it, but he... You know, Quaid had a coffee with Dave in, in Brisbane last year and because of COVID, with the, without the cross-border, they couldn't bring guys in from New South Wales. So they'd, he came in just to train, impress, got a chance and won the test match after the Bell against South Africa mm. and played well. Now they need to see Quaid against New Zealand, against England to be sure because truthfully the Wallabies are going into a World Cup in just over 12 months, not quite sure who their best number 10 is. Is it James O'Connor? Is it Quaid Cooper? Do they go on, Who do you on potential with Noah Lolisau? I think right now it's James O'Connor if his body's okay. His issue is he's got a high injury profile at the moment. Quaid's a great mature backup and Noah is the up-and-comer. Can you see Australia walking away, by the way, from Super Rugby with the joint situation with Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, I don't think they'll walk away. But what, what I would say in the, the communication that's come out around the chairman saying they're looking at leaving, it's important that the leadership of any sport is continuing to review what works for rugby in this country in this example so just because they've always played super rugby or we've always played the kiwis doesn't necessarily mean it's the best for us i expect us to have a strong revenue um position into the future within super rugby pacific but it's important to always look at your opportunities and what's best for your game so i think it's actually a really smart way of going about it do i expect the status quo to continue yes yeah i like will you look at it what, are we going to have a five-team comp and play each other four times or something like that? Well, mate, being a commentator, I want South Africa back. I want to get back to Cape Town and Durban and all those sorts of things in a completely unbiased, objective way. For tourist purposes? No, or? I just think it's great rugby. It's, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's good. No, it's good to tour. It's good to get on, on, on the road and have fun and, and see the great thing about the previous Super Rugby is you could play different kinds of rugby. Yep. We're playing the Kiwis a lot. We're playing ourselves a lot. South Africa were a power game. Argentina were very different. The rise of the Sunwolves and Japanese rugby, the third biggest economy in the world, it's important what's their mm. role in Super Rugby Pacific. We now have Pacific Island representation. So I think everything's going forward in a great way for Super Rugby Pacific. It's been a great year. I expect that to, to be very similar and evolve. Quick one on cricket as well. The Big Bash set to introduce a player draft this year, according to Pete Lawler uh, from News Corp, writing in The Australian. So, yeah, you can do all these things about it, and the UAE T20 competition is going to start, so all the big money is going to go to that. South Africa's got a T20 competition. All I can see clearly for the future of the Big Bash, they've got to ensure, especially through January school holidays, that the white ball Australian games allow for as much 
big bash representation by the big stars, Smith, Cummins, um, Hazelwood, all those guys, all the big dogs come back and play in big bash. That will help it. At the moment, uh, it looks like there's a white ball series with South Africa in Australia. That's been tentatively put in the schedule for this year. But the talk is, Peter Layla talked about this, uh, that that's not going to happen. So that will free some of those stars up. And then what this draft is, I think it's going to be capped at maybe $450,000 for the platinum players. So guys from around the world Mm. to try and influence them to come in. And then hopefully we get some of those Aussie guys. But it seems like the big bash, a downward trend. Ratings are down. Crowds are down. And if it continues, I can't see it changing very quickly. They need those Aussie players playing. Anyway. And probably shorter. Maybe shorter. Get it done. Like It became my screensaver at home on the TV. In in summer, you chuck it on because you can have it on in the background. You can sit down and watch it. If it's a good game and it's not an obvious result early, you can sit down and watch the game. But it just seemed to continue and continue. Well, interestingly, the IPL are doing the complete opposite. They're trying to get a longer season because they've signed the richest TV deal. They've got to get their money's worth out of their players, surely. So they're trying to, Peter Layla reported, that they're going to try and block out a a two-and-a-half window in the international cricket schedule. Two-and-a-half month, yeah. all players around the world will be able to play in it. So, I mean, we're just trying to get two, three weeks for the Big Bash. It's crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Off to a quick break on the Miles Club. Back in a moment. Uh, Honesty sessions. Ever had an honesty session? I've had plenty of them. I have them daily. Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. My time-efficient man across the desk here, Gibbo, has let us know we don't have time for the honesty session right now, but we will do the honesty session. The Sydney Roosters apparently had one through the week. And uh, get your thoughts, Morgs, on... When sporting teams just let it all spill out, all the faults. I tell you what, you don't put it off an honesty session when you're talking about it. That, that's not <laughs> a great start for it, Gibbo. Well, time, time although is infinite, uh, the news is coming on the way. Hey, just a quick one on the text line: oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. One of our regular listeners, Greg from Gundagai, he always chimes in with his report from the Friday night game. Uh, the Cowboys. Uh, how good are the Cowboys? They lose Cotter in the warm-up and they come back at Brookie to win. That's enormous. I believe Schuster is not fit enough at the moment if he's going to be Manly's long-term 5'8". Uh, he needs to get in shape. Um, Schuster, yeah, he's, he's weird uh, Weird how Des used him last night. Came off the bench. and whatever. He's he's a big body. I don't think he's ever going to be captain six-pack in the uh, in the mirror. Um, his skill, look, Cliffy was never Mr. Universe, never on the front page of... Uh, Men's health, I dare say. So, especially after about it's a weird one. Fifty Some, bungers on us. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes those guys change their body shape and they can't do the things they did. No, it's not always that simple, but sometimes you've got to appreciate the gifts guys have and, and just manage their body mm. condition, obviously. And um, Greg also goes on to say he, he chimes in with a tip each week. Uh, last week's tip, no good. The horse got trodden on. Fair enough. Excuses. My tip today is race nine, number fourteen. Uh, the Brad Whittup trained beach break at the Juicy Oz of $41. Don't worry about the price. If this horse gets a bit of luck in the run, it will go close to winning. That is the tip from our mate Mervyn, who is an old horse trainer. Mervyn, by way of Greg from Gundagai, thank you. Could have a little tipple on that when Trent Merlihan joins us. Tristan on from topsport.com.au later in the show. Lord Sir Tristan, Trent will chime in with a tip as well. 0457 736 736 is the text line. Here's the news. Back in a moment with US Open Golf. Go to Evan Priest in Boston. 
Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. Welcome to the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Well, Nick's not here for a change, uh, but Morgan Tiranui is and proving more than adequate replacement. Well, I don't know about that. Permanent transfer <laughs> I'm calling for. Davis, that's, that's wherever you are, <laughs> nah, stuff him. He's he comes in and goes. Oh, by the way, I can't be here for a month, just out of nowhere. Anyway, no, he'll be back next week. Maybe we'll see. Uh, shame he's not here this week after the Socceroos. But anyway, I'll hold that thought uh, on the text line just before we get to Evan Priest over at the U.S. Open and bring us up to date with what's happening in uh, the golf there. A uh, couple of rugby texts actually. Uh, Morgs, because you're here, they're, they're chiming in with their with their thoughts. Uh, Morgan, do you see the Wally Roo, Wallaroos having a chance against Canada later this morning from Hugh? Yeah, 11.30 game this morning, uh, live on Stan Sport exclusively. Oh, there you go. There you go. There's my one. I didn't talk about the code at all, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> and then followed by New Zealand playing USA to wrap up that little uh, four-team uh, series over in New Zealand. I, I think this is almost the hardest game of the lot. Really? Um, yeah, it is. And and Wallaroos, they've changed their team a bit. They've changed it up. They've brought um, a little bit of quality in with Arabella McKenzie at 10. She's a, she's a player to watch if you like watching the women's rugby. She's the best attacking player we've got in the 15. So having her control things will make a difference. Canada, I'll tell you what, if they can beat Canada, it means we're a genuine chance of going deep at the World Cup. They'll be strong. England, Canada, New Zealand and France are favourites for the World Cup. It's a big win. It's probably as good a win as the Wallaroos will have had in a few years if they get it. And uh, another one from Matt on 0457736736. Now, Will Skelton, who is almost the biggest man in the universe, he's a huge human. Uh, no Will in the Wallabies setup, writes Matt. He's lauded overseas. I think he's playing for the Barbarians this weekend. What are the reasons behind Will not uh, being in that squad? Yeah, it's, I think they've gone for guys with proximity. One is the Japanese guys just coming back down on the back of their season. So I mentioned Korobiti. Karevi and Cooper. Also, some of the locks have gone really well in Australia, so it's a good chance to look at them. Will Skelton was in the Wallaby squad on the November tour, did impress the coaches, only got limited time really off the bench. Yep. I think the European game suits him, uh, and I think he's a useful player for a World Cup squad, so I'm hoping that we will see him either in TRC or in the November series again, remembering that uh, Dave Rennie can use three overseas-based players per competition. So it's three for this series three for the TRC and three for November. So we might see Will later. He's playing for the Barbars against England. Um, so hopefully he'll bash up a few English bodies for us. And, and <laughs> I'll tell you what, a, a good performance against England will be right in, in Dave Rennie's um, visibility as well. Absolutely. Let's get to golf uh, over there in the US. Is the US Open. It's uh, taking place right now and joining us on the line from Australian Golf Digest, doing great work there and bringing us up to date, keeping us in touch with what's happening on the PGA Tour. I'm not sure if he's on the Sharky Tour yet, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, he might get his uh, credentials revoked. Evan Priest joins us right now. Ev, um, hope you're enjoying a Friday beer after round two of the USO. Bring us up to date, mate. What was uh, the big talking points out of day two of the Open? Adam, I'm actually I'm about to have a beer. I'm on a shuttle back to the media hotel, and I can guarantee you now I'm going to crush a couple of cold ones when I get back there. It's been a long day of the US Open, but a really good one. And uh, mate, it was it was a doozy Friday afternoon. Um, it was quite fu- funny. The, some of the fans were pretty jovial. They were sledging some of the players. They actually got Adam Scott with an absolute beauty this afternoon. I was walking the back nine with Adam, and he was wearing all khaki, so complete head to toe khaki. 
And uh, one of the fans said, hey, Adam, nice tribute to Steve Irwin, bud, let's go. And I, <laughs> I found that pretty funny. And, uh, yeah, there, there was a, there were a few other ones in there. They even yelled at Jordan Spieth and said, you're not going to make this putt almost like Happy Gilmore uh, as he was lining up a putt. So they got on the source. And um, as Mark Leishman told me, he thinks that's because they copped a bit of a beating last night, the Celtics. They got, obviously lost the NBA finals to Golden State. And I think they were taking it out on the U.S. Open golfers today. So it was good fun, mate. It was a really good Friday. The uh, the the Aussies then so Adam Scott I've seen him wear that gear and I, I I do think that we I don't know if he's trying to camouflage himself in the desert but he hey he pulls it off he's a good looking man Adam so he can he can wear what he wants but um he makes the cut uh, how many other Aussies will be playing on the weekend because uh, yeah it's a stack leaderboard up the top it's going to be tough for anyone well back to try and leap over all the players that are there at the moment. We've got three other Australians who, who made the cut, so we've got four in total. The big surprise was actually Cameron Smith. He was six over. He was he's already back in Florida. Uh, got a flight home this afternoon, um, so he missed his first cut at a major since last year's U.S. Open. He's been in a lot of hot form, but sort of since the, the last two rounds of the Memorial Tournament in Ohio a few few weeks ago, he just hasn't really found his A game. So this is a ranked player, world number six, missed the cut. And Lucas Herbert and Jed Morgan also missed the cut. So we've, we've still got four Aussies on the weekend. Two of them, you know, are a pretty good chance. Mark Leishman and Adam Scott have been there before. They've, they've played plenty of US Opens. They know how tough it's going to get on the weekend, and it should be a really fun US Open weekend. And, mate, uh, US Opens are where we normally see golf courses bare their teeth, the speed of the greens and then some of the trouble off the fairways. Is that getting to some of the best players in the world? Oh, absolutely, Morgan. I've got to say, first of all, I'm a Warrens Hearts fan, so I did uh, enjoy watching you play back in the day, mate. But, um, yeah, you, you're right in saying the U.S. Open, United States Golf Association, the USGA who run the tournament, they like to bake out the greens on the weekends, really get them firm and fast, get, you know, get it tricky for some of the world's best players. And, and I really think that sort of around even uh, one under could be a real chance on Sunday and could be a really good shootout. Uh Nick's not here, obviously. That's why Morgs is here, lifting the standard up of the show, Ev. Um, but Nick is like, <laughs> I don't know who you had pinned up on your bedroom wall when you were a teenager, but Nick still, he's, you can't see what colour paint he's painted his walls because there's all these Rory McIlroy posters all around his bedroom. Um, <laughs> is he going to be happy by the end of the week? Has he got a chance to be very, very happy by Monday morning, Nick, with um, Rory McIlroy there or thereabouts? Yeah, I think so, Adam. I, I, he just seems really fired up, Rory McIlroy. You probably saw him make some passionate comments after he won the Canadian Open last week, and you know, gave a bit of threw a bit of shade at Greg Norman. And he's come straight into the U.S. Open, feeling good, playing good. He's hitting plenty of greens. He's making a few putts too, and I think he'd be right there come Sunday. Is um on the the whole circus that is live golf and Greg Norman at the forefront of it. I'm I'm not sure that Sharky's there this weekend um, in in Boston, but a few of the players who have signed up for it obviously are allowed to play the US Open. What what has been the week like for them, people like Phil Mickelson and, and Bryson DeChambeau? Have they got the weight of the world on their shoulders or are they just taking it all in their stride, all the criticism? Yeah, uh, pr- probably the, the former, Adam. It, it, it looks like it's been pretty stressful for a lot of them. I've I haven't seen a press conference as tense and grilled as I saw Phil Mickelson the other day. He just copped 25 minutes worth of really tough questions, you know, to the point where he was having to justify a letter that one of the wives of the victims of the 9-11 terrorist attack sent to a bunch of professional golfers who are playing in the Saudi League. And 
it really dominated the conversation right up until the first tee shot was hit, and now it's kind of just become about the US Open, which is good in a way, you know. But um, if these golfers think they're getting off easy, this story's not going anywhere. This this LIV tour, it's only going to get stronger. It's only going to sign more big-name players. And, um, you know, if they want to take that money, they're going to have to put up with these questions. But, yeah, it, was, it, it has dominated the US Open so far. But um, I, I think it's still going to be a really good weekend. It's going to be, LI, it's going to be an LIV-free zone this weekend. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just on that, do you think they need, like, the, that tour needs a victory from someone coming back across to gain relevance, or is it just all about the money there? I think it wouldn't hurt, Morgan, for sure. You know, if you if you had sort of Dustin Johnson or one of the guys, you know, Charles, whoever it might have been that, that came across, if, if they win soon before they get you know, um, banned, that, that would certainly help. But they've really only got the opportunity to do that in the majors because, as you've probably seen, all those golfers who have gone across to LIV, they've been banned by the PGA Tour. So unless they win a major, it's going to be pretty tough to do that, Morgan. So with the, with the setup at the moment, they're allowed to play the US Open because it's an open championship and obviously world rankings. And what's going to be important for this new tour is to be able to get itself into the world ranking system to allow its players to gain points to maybe keep inside the cutoffs and the like. So the the two Opens, the, the, PGA, the PGA as well, I'm intrigued about what Augusta do because Augusta does what Augusta wants. So what where do you reckon it's going to fall there or is it too early to tell? Well, that's a $64,000 question, Adam. You know, the, the US Open for, for now, they've set their stances. This is an open event. Anyone who qualifies or gets through by the right means is welcome to play in the championship. The uh, chief executive, Mike Wan, he actually said, you know, he doesn't know if that'll be the case next year. This is pretty much just a 2022 stance on this this US Open. Augusta's the real power broker in this whole fight, isn't it? Because if they ban LIV golf participants, it's going to be really tough because they've got five or six past Masters champions now playing on that LIV tour, including Patrick Reed and Dustin Johnson. So if, if they draw a line in the sand, it's going to make things really complicated for for those LIV participants and any future participants. But uh, the PGA of America, you think, will side with the PGA Tour. The two CEOs, of well, the commissioner and the CEO of those two, are quite close. And then that sort of leaves the uh, the Open Championship, which you don't know which way they're going to go. So at the moment, it's all up in the air. It's too early to tell. But, um, you know, the, the, the golf fan in me really hopes that the, the majors remain Switzerland. They, they remain out of the fight because... You know that that's what the, what makes the majors so special. They're they're separate from the PGA Tour. It's another standard of golf. It's another level of golf. And if and if they were to start banning some of these LIV participants, it would sort of just make them look like an extension of the PGA Tour. So I hope they remain neutral, and I hope they let you know this competition play out because for you know a lot of fans around the world feel the PGA Tour do need some competition and that they've monopolised it for too long. Well, Ev, it's. Almost irrelevant this weekend, though, because as you mentioned, you've got a great uh, golf tournament halfway through the US Open. Colin Morikawa and Joel Damon uh, on top there at five under par. John Rahm and Morgan's Wallet at four under par. And uh, Rory McIlroy and Nick Davis's Hart at four under par as well. <laughs> Scotty Scheffler's only two off the lead, the Masters champ. Mate, great weekend ahead. Great couple of hours ahead as well for you as you head back there for some chowder in, uh, in Boston, maybe a Bud Light. I'm not sure what your drink is, but uh, enjoy the beers, mate. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I'll have a couple of Bud Lights just for you, mate. So thanks for having me on, Adam and Morgan. Have a good one. What a drop. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Uh, Evan Priest from Australian Golf Digest joining us. Uh, quick one from Sharky from Nowra. Um, Sharky, morning, mate. How are you? 
Yeah, I'm not in Boston. Before you said the sharky might be in Boston. No, I'm not in Boston. That's the shark. <laughs> I'm the sharky. Got to, and listen, quickly, Mate. guys, just on State Horizon 2, I expect New South Wales to come out and absolutely give these Queenslanders a flog and try about 32 to 6 or something. And the reason being, they're not going to be desperate. We're as desperate as their minds. I've got no doubt they can say whatever crap they want to say. Their minds on Lang Park, nowhere else. Sharky. See you guys. Enjoy your weekend. Once again, nowhere near offence. Once again, Sharky from now. Thank you, mate. Insightful. The direct, insightful. They're the best halftime talks that you want as a player, isn't it? Sure. Just come in, yeah. give us a minute blast and walk out again and let us think about it. <laughs> it's it. Yeah. And we're going to think about it right now. We'll take a short break. Yenar on the way. Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. It's time for... Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Nah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. You across this little concept, Morgs? I've, yeah, I've had a taste of it previously. <laughs> <laughs> have you got any lined up, by the way, Gibbo? You, you might have a couple of chimed in. Usually Davis has like 10 of them lined up. A lot to, it's almost like a psychology session. Okay. To... It's one of his sort of truth sessions, is it? Yeah, exactly. It's, well, what, what's got me is when you talked about, uh, was it surfing day? What's today? International surfing day. I'm yeah, days. Sure. I'm not really into days. Mm. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah. Like a few. Yeah, like, nah, some... nah, yeah, no, nah, yeah, no. Nah. There's some weird ones. Too. Every day's a day. Yeah, there's something. Too many. Mother's Day, really. <laughs> Valentine's Day. Overrated. No, but every day has there's something going on everywhere. Every day should it? be Valentine's it's Day. Left Footer's Day and <laughs> What about Father's Day? Yeah, I don't need socks and undies. I've got enough. <laughs> if I need some, just walk down the shops and get some. I can go to Kmart for three pairs for six bucks myself. I know where I stand. Yeah, and my kids hurriedly making a card at 7am before they come into the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A uh, little yeah, nah, for our old mate Bozza, who has tweeted this morning a photo of him with getting out of the back of a police car with... A big bag of McDonald's. <laughs> big thank you to Tracy and Darko from Queensland Police for helping me find McDonald's and taking to me to my hotel, XMB. <laughs> That's what he's tweeted. He's in Townsville promoting a upcoming friendly fixture involving Aston Villa and that. And um, he's obviously not sure where to go and get his uh, dinner. There's so much to unpack there. He's, What's actually in that McDonald's he's bag? And, me. Has he got handcuffs on? Are his hands behind his back? <laughs> no, no, his hands are showing. Uh, uh, well, he doesn't have he doesn't have data. He can't just check. I don't know. He is the absolute best on social media. <laughs> Morgs, I'm not sh- I'm not sure if you you saw earlier in the year, Morgs, when he got hacked. He, so he got yes, hacked. Yes, he got on hacked Instagram. on Insta. He got hacked oh, on Instagram no. by one of those sort of crypto king or queens, and he um he put up this post. <laughs> he put up this post, and and he signs off every tweet or Instagram thing with XMB, and so yeah, he, he got hacked. Basically, they put up he put it up for ransom. He then has to come back the next day and clarify. Sorry, guy. He put up a video. It was the best. He was like, oh. Sorry, guys, that wasn't actually me, uh, but I'm I'm safe and I'm sound and it's all good. XMB, I, the best, the absolute best on social media. He he proposed to his lovely partner, Sarah, on Twitter and Instagram. Really? He put the video and on Twitter yes? and Instagram. <laughs> After that? Yes. 
I he beats. Uh, yeah, nah. Is from a different drum. Well, it's easy to know if he gets hacked. Then it's, if it doesn't say XMB at the end, it's not the real him. <laughs> anyway, he is a legend, dude. Another man. Oh, he's dear. in the stable too. He's, he's in, in the, the stand stable. He's, he's a unit. Um, yeah, nah. Quick one. Anyone who parks opposite a driveway, namely your driveway, directly in line. We live in a suburban street, and time and time again. People are parking directly opposite the driveway, which makes life difficult in backing out. It I know is there's hard. a lot of driveways. It is hard for you coming down that long drive out through the big <laughs> gates. That, those Bentleys have the worst turning <laughs> circle, don't they? <laughs> Bastard of a thing to turn. It's like, yeah. Your chauffeur's complaining about it, is he? Oh, no. okay. <laughs> he's, he's filthy. He's absolutely filthy. Just he was the in chopper. a That's what it's for. horrible mood this morning. So please, just <laughs> if you're parking your car, just try to avoid the neighbours. I, I don't mind just if it's one just one driveway from the sound of it. Yours, it's a, it's a neighbour. Just avoid the opposite. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. Or the permanent spot of a trailer park there, just to make life. Oh, that hard. is a niggle. Someone chucks their boat there or something. That and is it's a, not your one. It's a big niggle. <laughs> That's it. Hit it again. Uh, that deserves it. Yeah, no. Got another one. Um, no, I'm pretty good, no, actually. Good. I'm pretty positive. Yeah, yeah, I've got one here for you, boys. Uh, so the gentrification of Manly, we all know it's happening. <laughs> oh, I'm not... You write for the Guardian no, or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, Adam, not yet. Right, I want to start out the Daily Telly, then maybe the Herald, then the Guardian at the end when I'm a bit older. But it, so... it, It's reverse. It, it goes the other way, mate. Oh, okay. <laughs> so... You start at the Guardian, then you end up at the... Anyway. No dramas. Oh, I'll write that down yeah. for us. But um, So McDonald's has gone... From Manly, Hunger Jacks, yep. The Corso. At the, um, <laughs> so d- down near where the heart, where the wharf is, so yeah. usually, you know, you just quick sneak into Maccas, get a few nuggets for the ferry on into the city. Neil by Maccas. Lamort. KFC, which used to be across yeah. from the Maccas on the corner. Lamort. Neil by KFC, now a Baskin and Robbins. I don't mind Baskin and Robbins. <laughs> yeah, but all right. It's not a Zinger burger. <laughs> no. And the With last. With cabbage, yeah. Well, at the moment, it's a mixture. But I think at Manly, we'd get the good stuff. And then Hungry Jacks, which is also on the course, so a staple, the little um, the quarter. No, 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 quarter pounders. You can keep that. Yeah, but still, it's 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 the vibe, you know. (laughs) So no Hungry Jacks. Okay, so fair enough, I can deal with that. Now, what's happening? There's a Cremorne McDonald's, so on the way home from North Sydney towards the Northern Beaches. There's uh, the Maccas on the way home. Joel Kane always says the indicator basically turns itself on and you're in there. Now, what's going on is they've put a, de- a development application in to extend the drive-through because it's a punish. Military road, the traffic always backs up mm. and there's only about eight spots mm. for the drive-through. Now, what they want to do is take out the parking spaces and put extra drive-through in because they've seen that most people go to that Maccas in the drive-through. Yeah. Not in Cremorne. There's now like a community group that against any more like development on this McDonald's because, you know, they're saying obesity and children, blah, blah, blah. So the gentrification of all fast food restaurants in well-to-do areas, big, big, big. Yeah, nah. Jeez, when I asked Gibbo, have you got anything for me? I wasn't going <laughs> to... That was a rant. That was an attack. Well, you know, Nick's not here to get everything off his chest. It is a therapy session, Morgan, yes. and... You know, I'm sick of it. I love fast food, and just because I live near Manly, I can't have it. It's oh, look, 
the, I don't think you got too much to worry about the gentrification because I reckon once a year there's always that article that comes out in the paper of the dark side of Manly after dark on the, on the Corso. There's yes. always the bad things that happen there. It's not mm. just you not getting a quarter pounder. Yeah. True. Still well, got the kebab shots. Still got oh, the kebab Chris, shots. Is there an Aportos yeah. or something? That'll do you. No, yeah. well, you know, it's just the cheap stuff. I love KFC, but, yeah, I just more so this Cremor and Maccas thing and people bandying together. Not good. Cancel, yeah. cancel culture, is it? Oh, apparently so, so. But I'm writing for The Guardian in two weeks, so... <laughs> After using that word on this radio program, which I can safely say is the first time that word has been used on this radio program. I just, I just found out what it meant. <laughs> so I thought I'd chuck it in there. I'm trying a new thing, Adam. Oh, uh, dear. Uh, article from Malcolm Knox in the Herald having a, a subtle little dig, more a, a pondering of Andrew Redmayne's antics about firstly jumping around for the penalty shootout, and then getting the Peruvian's water bottle and the notes and hoiking them so he couldn't rely on them. Malcolm writes, funny old world game. Imagine if it was the Peruvian keeper who stole our guy's notes and leapt about like a flower on the, in the breeze to get inside our shooter's heads. All Australia would be up on its hind legs about cheating and poor form. Well, some, but people who might realise what happens in the world game wouldn't have an issue with it because that's what happens in football. It's a ruthless kind of little environment, little subclimate of hate and angst. Yeah, you got to, you can't cherry pick that moment without the context of what football's like everywhere, every weekend, in every competition around the world. And and you know what? You know what? Goalies they shouldn't have a water bottle. True. They don't do anything. No, do one, they? no one else can. Well, yeah, they don't do anything. But two, if you want a water bottle, you got water runners for it. They've got to run you down one, like every other sport. You can't have your own little water bottle. you got a little snack pack there yeah, as well. Yeah, a towel. Well, what's yeah. that for? Why? Oh. He's in the middle of a game. Yeah. Granted, they don't do much half the time, but yeah. when it's counted, they do. And, and and the jumping around on the line, he stays on the line. If he comes off the line, VAR will, will pick him off, I would mm-hmm. assume. Mm-hmm. So if it's within the laws, what's he supposed to do? I would have chucked it into the 10th row, that water bottle. And you know what? Having instructions on your water bottle, that's cheating. Mm? That's worse than throwing it away. Yep. Okay. Double. Yeah, no. No, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Nah. Two fronts. No, uh, Gibbo got me fired up with his rant. I don't know what's <laughs> yeah, happening. <no. laughs> I see, you started, as soon as you heard that word gentrification, you started twitching and, oh, wow, that's a rugby word. Yeah, big, long word that it is. Um, yeah, I, I can't quite work out why you'd have a problem with that because go back 20 years, um, Australia went to Uruguay for a World Cup qualifier and Uruguay tried every trick in the book before the game, like making life difficult and hotel, um, you know, all of a sudden the, there's a power outage and they put them up on um, the third floor close enough to the street. Issues getting to training, bus drivers all of a sudden forget their directional aptitude. Um, the mob sent to the to the airport to welcome them. That was actually paid for by a local media guy who just wanted to make a scene for that, that night's news. He paid 50 50 yobos to go out and just give the Australians <laughs> crap when they got off the plane. So, Did everyone honked their horn yeah. on the way past the hotel yeah, exactly. through the night? Yeah. yeah, all these things. Oh, the lasers to the eyes and things like that. Yeah, you know? all these things go on. So that was small fry in context of the, the grand scheme of things. Anyway, uh, we're off to a, a quick break on the Mowers Club. Don't forget on the text line, 0457 736 736. Keep them coming in. Uh, we've got plenty more after this. 
Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Yeah, welcome back to the Mowers Club. Just a couple of yeah, nahs on the text line as well. Mark from Prairie Road. Um, I just saw a joke on TV um, just for laughs after watching Storm Broncos game. This is not a yeah, nah. Referring to people say, I'll just take it one day at a time. What? Who doesn't take it one day at a time? Do you take it a week at a time? How to do that? And can you teach me how to do that? Good point. One day at a time. That from Mark from Prairie Road. Rooster Man, my street is a similar thing about um, the caravans and people parking across the thing. Tight road, caravan right in front. So I can't see when I back out. It's time to slash tyres. Rooster Man, maybe don't go down that path. That's a little heckos, but I get your frustration. And Matt, Adam, yeah, no, I just went shopping. Tomatoes at Woolies, $16 a kilo. That blows my mind. That's not a yeah, no, that's just extraordinary. Mate, stop going to Mossman Woolies, probably. <laughs> <laughs> One man who, uh, well, we can't complain here in Australia. I've heard about uh, Japanese food prices, but um, hey, he can uh, he can do what he wants after being a part of something huge through the week for the Socceroos and getting Australia through to a World Cup. He led the line for the first part of the game at the very least. He was absolutely spent, but that didn't stop him from hanging out in the pool for the next three days before going back to Japan where he's going to play club football this afternoon. Mitchell Duke from the Socceroos joins us right now. Dukey, have you um, freshened up a little after what has been a rather big week? <laughs> yeah, hey guys, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, definitely back to reality. Uh, arrived yesterday morning back in Japan and uh, straight back to the job training and uh, game tonight so had to save up quite quickly <laughs> who um i mean mate what take us through the the immediate aftermath of what you guys were able to achieve there against i wouldn't say all odds but a lot of odds because of the nature of qualifying 16 to 20 games away from home a lot in lockdown you're in quarantine left right and center trying to get back into japan mate did it feel like it was all worth it when it was done and you got through yeah, massively. Um, you know, a lot of us boys are obviously very active on social media, so we do get to see a lot of the negativity and the doubt um, and naysayers, I guess, with all that. Um, so to to get to the end of it and uh, cross that final line in the positive side of things in qualifying, um, it just felt like, I guess, a, a sign of massive relief and then pure ecstasy, really, um, with just how it was done. Backs against the wall, so much doubt, but Arnie's created an unbelievable atmosphere within the, within the group of boys and the, and the belief was always there within the group. And to be able to get the job done against obviously such a strong opponent um, was just the most rewarding feeling ever. Um, and honestly, like, yeah, just with how things happened as well, obviously, like, some huge calls in the game with Redders putting in for pens and just things like that just all added to, like, the craziness of us getting the result and the celebrations were just unbelievable afterwards um obviously a bit of a different celebration because you're in qatar you can't also go too crazy straight away because you're only allowed to do certain things on licensed venues so <laughs> there was a bit of a wait to get back to the hotel and uh, then things uh, yeah went from uh, good to great <laughs> and mitch what's that moment the moment in a team sport where you have to stand there and watch a teammate have to do something special for you to to achieve something as huge as World Cup qualification, what was it like to see Redders stand there and have to do it for the team? Yeah, mate, honestly, like being on the sideline and watching it was just 
I mean, I don't know if you guys seen my interview, but lost all my composure and I was literally <laughs> having a panic attack. Um, I think it's harder to, to be on sidelines watching. I actually would have felt better being on the pitch, maybe knowing that I was going to take a pen and, and, and play a part in helping us get over the line like that. I think it would ease your thing because you're more a bit focused on knowing that you're going to take a pen and, and get in the zone a bit more. But just being on the sideline, kind of being a little bit helpless just to watch and being so close to the action was honestly agony and just stressful and exciting at the same time. And then to see Redders pull off the, the save at the end. And I think, like, obviously the way he approached things and, uh, you know, because I know you run the risk of maybe looking a little bit like a clown if, like, <laughs> the way you're dancing around like that. Um, and, and if it doesn't play out in the right way, you know, the, the negative attention you can get afterwards is also a bit of a worrying factor. But, look, he pulled it off did his job, I'm like so clutch and just uh, so proud that everyone got to play their part and uh, that he was the hero at the end of the day. It was just unbelievable how it played out. Hey, with Graham Arnold, I, I go back like 10 years when you were at the Mariners as a, a young enthusiastic type and running around like a madman and him yelling at you going, Jokey, like a stop overrunning type thing because <laughs> you were so enthusiastic, but you just want to impress the guy. But take it forward to, to right now. Now, Arnie cops it a bit in football circles for his tactics. Like he does it a bit differently to Ange. But the the things that a lot of people don't see, and I've heard about the man in management, and you can speak of that right now, where would you put Arnie's, you know, the bedside manner, the, the man management in training sessions, in camps to get the most out of, of every single player? I think, yeah, well, I can honestly say over these 10 years, I've had plenty of coaches now um, at good levels and man management-wise, he's definitely out there with the best and second to none is from my experiences. The way he can get you so wrapped up, even like if you're on the bench or not even in the squad, you still feel a part of the team regardless. He keeps you switched on. He keeps the environment in the training camps good because, you know, you, you have to make hard decisions. Also, you have to leave players not just on the bench, but out of the squad completely. We took an extended squad this, this time around. So there was about four or five boys that weren't even able to make the match day squad. But you never sensed any players were so like, you know, like, you know, some players can get so upset, I guess, and they, you can notice it massive and it can create a bit of a negative environment or like someone being noticeably negative because they're being dropped or not playing a part. But every lad there was just there to be a part of the group, a part of the journey. Um, no negative, no toxic environment with any boys that were left out or dropped. And that goes down to his man management, making sure that everyone's just positive energy, there to focus and still put in the hard work and training and I think that makes a massive difference like with the camaraderie, with everyone there, just knowing that we're there to back our mates, regardless if you're on the pitch, on the bench, or in the stands. Everyone's just there to back each other up and get, get us to the World Cup and, and do the country proud. And, you know, everyone still plays their part because at the end of the day, the players that aren't involved have to do their job in training to make sure the boys are getting the intensity and the quality um, so they're prepared to go into the, into the match, you know, mm -hmm. ready. So, and Arnie does that unbelievable. I've never seen such a good environment. Um, just like with all those factors that you have to consider, all the all the lads are just unbelievable. And the the environment is just very family like. All of there, like you literally go straight into being a family. 
all your mates, have a good time, all the tables at dinner, you're always hearing chat, laughter, all that, no one's on their phones and like, or quiet or anything like that. Just the atmosphere completely helps us, I think, in situations like the Peru game, get us over the line because that mateship is just next level. And that's down to Arnie creating that environment. And you talk about the hard work and the mateship, um, and that led in pretty well to the celebrations after. There's some iconic footage now. Um, I'll tell you what they did. They held you in the barriers, didn't they? No beers on the bus. That's unbelievable. But then when, you, when you're unleashed, how long were you in that pool and how good was it to celebrate qualifying for a World Cup? Well, that's what I mean. So like, obviously because we were at the stadium um, and there was no beers lined up, you can't have any on the bus either because you get the only allowed to drink in like, licensed venues and stuff like that. So there was that agonising wait after because everyone's <laughs> getting a bit thirsty in, in the change rooms because we've only been able to like pop bottles of water. Not the same effect, really. Um, but, yeah, once we got back to the hotel, straight down to the dinner, had drinks ready for the boys ready to pop some champagne as well um, for celebrations and then kicked on from there. And, yeah, obviously, with international football, lads are, are all in different stages of their season. Some are finished, so they're in the off. You know, boys were cancelling flights, able to stay a bit, <laughs> stay back a bit longer to kick on the celebrations, and some had to leave a bit earlier. But I tell you what, as soon as we got back to the hotel, yeah, I think for about... 24 to 30 hours the celebrations didn't stop and uh, it was unbelievable mate. it was unbelievable and I'm sure yes there's been some scenes that are shown in the footage on social media and uh, you know it was just such a good vibe and uh, everyone definitely enjoyed themselves yeah Martin Boyle is actually staying there he's going to stay in his full kit until November for the World <laughs> Cup he's going to miss the New Zealand games Duke. he's going to miss going back to Saudi Arabia and his wedge over there and he's just going to stay there and he'll be ready for you when you get back there which will be great Ah, he's earned it, mate. He's earned it. So fair play to him. And uh, <laughs> uh, it was actually funny enough, me and him were one of the last uh, the last few people standing, to be honest. We were one of the last ones with our last flight getting out of Qatar. So, uh, yeah, we definitely enjoyed ourselves. And uh, I, f- I feel proud that I, I kept up with the Scottish man also. <laughs> <laughs> and now you've got to play the Savo. With his Scottish blood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now you've got to play yeah, the no, Savo. I know, that's it. Mate, back to reality real quick. I tell you what. Because, uh, yeah, I didn't feel great on the flight back. But um, once you land, I guess, <laughs> like I said, it's back to reality. And for me, you know, it's 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 a funny little snap. Once, you, once I landed back in Japan, it's almost like, literally, back to reality. I've got a, I've got a game this weekend. And now it's like, because you're not a guaranteed ticket, especially a player like me. I'm, I'm sure there'll be certain shoe-ins but I'm definitely not one of those so for me I was like now that we've qualified for the World Cup and I played a good good part of that which I'm so proud about but now it's a, a new target set and new motivation for me to make sure I get to this club football I've got 21 games left of this season at the halfway mark now and for me I've literally got to give it everything to make sure I get my ticket to the World Cup in five four and a half months time did um at your club, did anyone really care that you qualified or they're too busy in their day-to-day existence to say, well done and get on with it? Nah, I've honestly, the Japanese people in general, even supporters from my old club that I played here in Japan, my club, they've been unbelievable. They like gave me a massive standing ovation when I turned up to the club. They're doing actually a little ceremony for me before the game tonight and giving me like flowers and, uh, 
a presentation um, to say thank, like congratulations for qualifying for the World Cup. Everyone's so proud of me, and I think they're just proud to have someone from Australia representing Australia that's going to go to the World Cup. Because at the end of the day, I'm also representing my club, and you know they see that as a they played their part in that as well, having someone that represents that. So um, they've been brilliant, and it's been such a good reaction, and I feel so proud to be a part of my club because they've been brilliant and uh, and yeah I think when they also seen me a part of some of the celebrations knowing that there was a game this weekend they handled things pretty well awesome yeah it's a very respectful bunch the Japanese and good to hear that you've been treated like that Juki mate we'll leave it there I'll let you prep for the game maybe get in a little nana nap before you go out there and do your thing um, for your club this <laughs> afternoon really appreciate your time in the Mowers Club mate and um, yeah catch up soon yeah, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Mitchell Duke from the Socceroos. We're off to a quick break on the Mowers Club. Back in a moment. Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, Adam Peacock and Morgan Tiranui this morning with uh, Gibbo as well in the studio on the Mowers Club. All thanks to Toro Mowers, 100 years of innovation. Uh, Morgs is busily... Getting his stupid multi together. Tristan Merlihan from topsport.com.au will be joining us shortly. Do yourself a favour. So we'll just chuck it out there. A recommendation for ourselves in the studio here and whatever listeners we might have listening on the podcast as well. A quick one from Brian from Bondi. He's texting, uh, recommending a podcast, The Glitch. It's a real-life story of an Aussie, Dan Saunders, who worked out his ATM card had a glitch which allowed him to withdraw $1.6 million, and he blew it in less than four months. Four months? That's poor. <laughs> Too I, long. I've got 24 hours I can get rid of that. <laughs> that took a while. Is it, is it a long time? Because you want to get rid of it before they claim it back off you, surely. Yeah. But they're always going to want to claim it back off you. That's not some... He had to pay it back or we got to find what out? What did you do? Yeah. Sent to the like... clink, I think. <laughs> I, think he, I think Dan is now pondering his life choices <laughs> behind bars. Anyway, uh, what do you got for us, Morgs? Let me guess, a Stan doco or something like that? Actually, I was, was putting one together and it actually is on Stan, funny enough. <laughs> I've, Shock. I've been, I've been indoctrinated, that's for sure. Um, Gentrified. Mate, better call Saul, <laughs> the new season, underrated show. Great show. I've heard about this. Yeah, I haven't watched good. it yet. You've got to get into it. Get into it. I haven't seen that or Breaking Bad. Yeah, you can watch. Actually, because it's a prequel, you can watch Better Call Saul first if you want. Watch that first. Yeah. Then. But get they're coming it. out with a new series of the prequel of the yeah. series that's stopped now, Breaking Bad. But, yeah, anyway. Yeah, they're going like, to do a prequel to the prequel like the of Better Call Star Saul. Star Wars chronology. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and then the other one, it's on It's on The Enemy. It's on Netflix. Uh, mm. Rising Phoenix about the Paralympic athletes. Yeah. Uh, Riley Bad, Australian absolute legendary Figure Riley Bat, the wheelchair rugby player, is involved in it. It's great watch. Rising Phoenix on Netflix. Have a look at that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I've just started watching a series on stand as well, actually. Gaslit. You want a gig, do you? No. Nah. Oh, good. I'm not allowed. Um, <laughs> Gaslit. It's about uh, Martha Mitchell. Who uh, is it was, Julia Roberts? Yeah. Oh, yep. Who's a bit of a... Um, Bit of a whistleblower. I haven't got to the good bit yet about the Nixon administration and the whole Watergate scandal, so that's very good. And also, um, I'm finally up to watching Winning Time, which they obviously couldn't call what the Lakers period of the 80s was called Showtime because there's a network over there called Showtime, which is in direct contrast to HBO, <laughs> who produced Winning Time. If that all makes sense. Anyway, it's very good. I've enjoyed it. I like the way they've shot it, like kind of given that kind of 80s sepia kind of look and... It's very good, and um, old mate 
Uh, Adam McKay, mind. John C. Riley. John C. Riley, very, very good. Yeah. Is Dr. Jerry Buss. I will have to. Get, I remember them advertising when it first came out, but I haven't caught it. I'll jump on that. That yeah, recommendation. It might be a year now when I come back next time, depending on how good it is. Yeah. Well, um, just has anyone wet. featured in both? Do yourself a favour, and, and then it's been reviewed in the year now. Um, not yet. Yeah, okay. It's the first time for everything. I might not be back anyway. Bit of a year now is the fact that if you start watching it, and I was watching it, and then the bit of a half walks in, and Jerry spends a bit of time at the Playboy Mansion, and one thing leads to another, and walking at the wrong time, looking at the screen, what are you doing, Adam? It's all right. It's a kind of series. It's part of this big doco. Anyway. It's a documentary. It's work. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a documentary. <laughs> it's a tax write-off. Uh, uh, Gibbo, you got anything? Yeah, Winning Time's great. Better Call Saul is cool too, Morgs. I like it. I watch both. I like it better than Breaking Bad because I feel like I'm not smart enough to watch Breaking Bad, but Better Call Saul is about like, you know, a lawyer who just has a gift of the gab sort of thing. So Better Call Saul, love that recommendation. I've been watching uh, Barry on Fox or Binge, whatever. Barry? Barry, yeah, about the – he's a, basically a hitman who wants oh, it's not to be about, an actor. Okay, it's not about the meme that was doing the rounds. Barry, the meme? No, I haven't seen the meme. What's the meme? Uh, I think, carry on. Yeah, so Barry basically uh, – time Bill slot. Ha- <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, we'll talk about it after the break. But Bill Hader directs and stars in it. He's a hitman who wants to be an actor. So basically, his life unravels. He learns to be an actor. And I just finished the latest episode, which aired a few days ago. I really recommend that. Yeah. Oh, Barry. Oh, that Barry. The Barry that everyone in COVID who is in a WhatsApp group with their mates has seen. Poor Barry. Yeah. No, good one, Gibber. Poor Barry. No, poor Poor Barry. Barry. Poor Barry. He's he's no longer around. Oh, Baz. He's, He's left the earth. Paul Barry got stuck, or Media Watch got stuck into a few people this week. Hopefully watch, not us. Do you watch Media Watch? I do watch it, actually. I like it because yeah? it keeps me accountable. So when I'm, <laughs> when I'm coming up with all these segments, all you know, the wrong things to do or the right things to do, and unfortunately, a few of our stable mates got into a bit of strife this week. Well, you know, if you haven't made Media Watch, you haven't made it. Full stop in well, the I'm, media. I'm trying to help... Joel and Fletch get there. Hey, Mark. you got one more hour this morning, Gibbo, to try and send us on up to Media Watch and a Monday night appearance with Paul Barry and the like. We're off to a quick break. Here's the news on the other side of this break. Uh, Lord Sir Tristan Merlihan and Matt Dunning, old mate of Morgs, joining us to talk a bit of rugby and a bit of life as well, I think, with Matt. Back in a moment. Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. Welcome to the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Welcome back to the last hour. Adam Peacock and Morgan Terranui here with you on the Mowers Club. And uh, Morgs, you know a bit about this man, Matt Dunning, who's joining us on the line now on the, uh, the Mowers Club. Do you want to say anything before we get to Matt? Or? Uh, let's get to him, but he's, he's just quite simply one of the greatest men of all time. Ah, here he is. Former teammate of Morgs with the Waratahs and the Wallabies, of course. Matt, how are you, mate? Hey, Adam. Hey, Morgs. How are you? Good. Are you over in New Zealand at the moment? You're going to the game tonight? I, I am. I'm in New Zealand. I'm going to the game tonight. I'm, I haven't been this excited for a long time. 50,000 are sold out. They're selling tickets on the field. Um, the whole uh, whole of Auckland is uh, blue. I'm uh, a good mate of mine, Andrew Hoare, is uh, obviously the CEO here, so he's looking after me. So I'm really excited about going to the game. How'd you go to the casino last night? <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, I, I, it, it wasn't a good result, you know me, more, I couldn't back a motorbike into you a play garage. Hold, play Hold'em uh, or, or what are you doing? Hold'em, tables, what were you doing? 
Well, I started off on blackjack, but I didn't last very long, so I went down to hold him, and uh, that was the end of me. So we, we, at least I was only there for three hours. Not I, 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 at least I go there with a bank these days. I don't. Um, I haven't got you to borrow winnings off, so I, <laughs> at least I don't get too far in the hole these days. So have you gone over there for work purposes, and it's happened to coincide with the Super Rugby final between the Blues and the Crusaders at Eden Park? Yeah. I hopefully no one at the business is listening today. Yeah, no, it just happened to happen that way. Yes. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. I've come over from work, and it was just it was a good good time to schedule in the trip around the Super Rugby and um, catch up with a few people. So yeah, it's uh, I haven't been to New Zealand for a while, and um, yeah, it's 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 warmer over here than I thought. And look, it's it's great to be in a rugby town. They, they live and breathe rugby over here, and um, two great teams tonight. I'm I'm very excited to go out there. It's going to be great fun. And Matt, off the back of the Super Rugby final, of course, all eyes moved towards a Test Series, Wallabies, England. Our great uh, mentor, Eddie Jones, bringing England out. Uh, what, what, what do you like about this Wallaby squad against England? Can we, we have a bit of revenge after losing 3-0 in 2016 to Eddie? Yeah, I, I like the side. You know, we, we, um, we've got some, um, some good athletes now, and we've, we've had good athletes for a while, I, I thought. You know, I think we've got cover all over the field, maybe... You know, possibly second row. We've got a bit of an experience, but um, you know, it's uh, some good young talent down the, in, in the second row too. So I'm really excited. Like I, I love our, I love our front row. I love what they've been offering the last few years, and I think um, we're getting smarter as a football team. You know, I think um, our rugby IQ is improving all the time, which has been shown in, um, you know, and that comes with age and comes with experience. And we've got a lot of guys who have been, you know, a couple of years season now, and then you bring back. Uh, old sensible heads. I can't believe I'm calling them sensible heads, James O'Connor and Quade Cooper. Um, but they've matured a lot uh, since 2009 and 2010 when they, when they were around me. Um, you know, we've got, some, we've got a good balance and a good side. And if, we, if we're able to, you know, if, if Karevi comes back and, uh, and if we, I don't know, we're going in the second row, stocks coming back. But it's really exciting. I'm really excited about the Australian side at the moment. Hey, Matt, do you look at the front rowers these days? Like they're, they're, they're tipping 120. 20 kilos and the like. And and given that um, you're a, literally a shadow of your former self, you've got yourself into amazing shape after playing rugby. Do you look at these guys and when they're packing down in scrums and smashing into each other going, I can't believe I actually did that once upon a time. Yeah, look, I, look, I didn't have much alternative, unfortunately. I should have done better at school. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I loved it. I wouldn't change it for a world. I love rugby. Like, you know, the, I love the game and I love I loved being around the team you know nothing better than going on tour with blokes like morgues and and you know playing it was like it was like school with no classes it was just awesome you know and it was always lunchtime when you when you played in, the, in a professional <laughs> environment you know there's always food on and it was just it was just awesome i looked i looked at the other day and i, I watched a couple of seven rugby games on a friday it was a the, the, it was a five o'clock and the seven o'clock and I, and I looked at the four tight head props and they were all six foot two at 130 kilos like i was a big prop at 120 kilos Ten years ago, it, it, it's it's amazing how how much bigger they've got. And like, look at that French prop is 150. You know, uh, what? Chanella, he, 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 yeah, it's just crazy the size of these men. And 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 they 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 move. You know, you look at Tanella Tupo. He, he could be the best world, the best prop in, in world rugby. He's got all the attributes. He's massive. He's strong. He's fast. Um, he doesn't seem to have a you know when he's fit. His engine's pretty good too. Like it, it's incredible. I, it, I, I don't know how much. At ten years' time, we're going to have got. I can't get that much bigger, surely. It just, especially in the front row, we're just seeing monsters there. If you're not 120 kilos, you, you know, you see very few 110 kilo little props anymore. But 110 kilos is sort of average. It's, it's, 
It's crazy how big they're getting. And, mate, talking about Taniela going up against England uh, and Eddie Jones, we've all got some good Eddie Jones stories. What, oh, what's yeah. your favourite one? <laughs> and they're go. always the ones where you're, you're getting in trouble with Eddie, so they're not <laughs> favourites, I suppose. Most uh, memorable. Ones you can't forget and uh, wake up screaming it, it, at night. Yeah. Oh, he was so – but I, I loved Eddie, but I tell stories about him and people think I must not like him, but I really liked him. I, I still like him. Like, as I say to people, there's no one who's talked to me worse in my life that I haven't punched in the face or at least tried to punch in the face. Like he, he just, he's just so brutally honest. So he's just savage, you know. He was just savage with, with me. But on the same token, you know, he, he, if you put in and you gave your best, uh, you, you probably didn't get a pat on the back, but you got a little wink or you got something from him. You know, that was good enough. So he always finds that. But Eddie, oh, there's, there's so many Eddie stories, you know, I, I guess. At the time I first made a Wallaby squad, um, my first Wallaby squad, the first time I met him, uh, 2003, I go and meet him, didn't even know him, but I say, g'day, g'day Tucky, they call you Tucky, that's a silly name, I said, you know, I didn't make it up, Eddie, like, you know, like, he's just, he's always, that, he's always you know, you know I said, Tucky, okay, mate, okay, uh, if, um, you, how do you think you've gone this year? I said, oh, okay, he goes, well, if your first year of rugby, Super Rugby was 2001, how do you think you did in your first year? I said, oh, not great. Zero out of seven. What do you reckon you got? Zero being hopeless and seven being world class. I said, oh, no, maybe, maybe, maybe a three or a four. He goes, zero. Zero. You were terrible. <laughs> 2002, how did you do? Same thing. Another zero. I'm going, great. 2003, how did you go? Oh, maybe a one. No, don't be so hard on yourself. You were three. You're much better. <laughs> but until you get to a four, I will not even think about picking you. I will not even think about it. I'll bring in a prop from... from Penrith third grade and play him before I play you unless you're four. They get out there, get rid of clear training in 20 minutes. That was it. That was my first encounter with him. You know, that, that's, that sums up Eddie. He was just brutally honest and savage. I, I think it's his way of motivating people. Um, it definitely worked for me. I came up in an environment where you where rugby coaches and, and parent-like figures were, were pretty hard and critical and I always wanted to impress them and work hard for them. But he was a, he's a great coach. He's a great student of the game. And what I love about Eddie is He'll come out here. He won't be afraid to 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 throw a bit of uh, petrol on the fire of rivalry. Like I think we're too sanitised these days. Like in rugby, we just you know we just say, oh, you know, it's going to be a good game. They're such a good team. They have so much strength over the paddock. You know, we respect them thoroughly. I'm over all that. It doesn't sell. It doesn't sell football games. I want to. I want to see Eddie Jones, uh, Michael Checker site banter. You know, we don't like England. England's the old enemy. You know, we're out there and we're gonna we're gonna attack them in this area and we're gonna bash them because that's 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 what everyone thinks, but they're not saying it anymore. You know what I mean? That, that's what people think, but they just it's so sanitised. We're so worried about, you know, of what people will say if we tell say what we think. Um, I always I use the example of um, boxing or UFC or whatever. But they they sell fights. You know, they they mm. really they they sell the theatre and they sell the the dislike or the the people that they don't get on with. We we just don't do that. Seem to do it in rugby anymore. I'd like to say that again. Um, I, before we came on, I, I just went over to Morgs and said, where were you? Like, you remember some great stories playing with Matt and I did happen to, of course, Matt brought up the, the drop goal, but won't get you to relive that. But Morgs did say that he was outside just screaming for the ball <laughs> on that occasion, that famous drop goal for, for the Waratahs, Morgs. Yeah, it was. Well, Matty, yeah, mate, he was, Matty you, were, you were skillful, so sometimes you like to slot into the 10. I thought, oh, he's just going to shift the ball to me here because we're going for the four-try bonus point. We're on out wide here, shift the ball, and then you've hit that absolutely pure drop goal. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's sort of funny, that. There's a couple of things of that. Like, 
George Gregan would do that. In that time in Super Rugby, you'd play advantage and you'd have Kraken's drop goal, get the penalty and kick for touch. That was just what everyone did. Well, everyone like George in the 5-8 did, to be fair, probably not front rowers. But, um, yeah, it was just the ball fell out. There was The 80 bloke behind me was Morgs. Obviously, the two of us were having a spell. And um, <laughs> I've just practised thing. And it's just, it's just, it's just sailed. As soon as I hear it, it was like, oh, shit. No, I can't say it. Oh, dear. Oh, well, that's going to go over. Oh, no. And I chased it. I chased it trying to grab it back. It was like it was like trying, but you couldn't do anything. And <clears throat> But I do think I was very poorly treated after that. Like 2003, bloody uh, Johnny Wilkinson gets knighted for his drop goal the same year I did mine. And all I did was cop grief for, you know, 20 years since. Best place you two visited in terms of what you said there with a – with a rugby tour, which was like school without the lessons. Um, what, what was your, what was your favourite joint that you two uh, found yourselves in in the world? I mean, oh, look, uh, there's, there's so many places I love. Like the, the the famous answer is always Cape Town. Cape Town was just awesome. We had so much fun in Cape Town. Um, a lot of the fun we can't talk about, but like it was after it, we had a ball. You know, there was golf in Cape Town. It was just a beautiful place. There was beach. There was you know you which is an enormous place. I, I loved, obviously loved that. But I, I, I really like Wales too, which is the sort of one people don't talk about. What I loved about Wales more than anything is that, is that there's very few places in the world, uh, probably New Zealand is the only, only one where rugby's a working class game or covers all segments. Rugby, obviously, in a lot of places, and sort of the way it works. But in Wales, everyone is rugby league man. Sorry, rugby union man like rugby league in Australia. Like, every, like blue collar people love rugby. So you just, just the energy you get, and it was, you just got that stuff, all, the, all that tribalism and all that, you know, all that stuff, you know, the, the language and the colour you see on the sideline or the streets in a league build up. We got a bit of that in Wales. So I love the people of Wales because they're so passionate and they weren't afraid of telling you how bad or good you were. And you know, I love being in Cardiff and Wales, but uh, Cape Town was we, we love South Africa. Yeah, I, I actually the best week I've ever seen an individual have was Tucky. Tucky's 50th cap for the Waratahs the week in Durban. Well, I don't reckon he trained. We didn't see him, right? And it was it was talking up Tucky's 50th this week. It's a really big week. Did not see the bloke while the sun was up. Came in, trained. Made, you know, he's a prop. He knows he's getting picked. And yeah. absolutely smashed it at Kings Park in Durban. Like Best on the field you've seen. We win. And he's dead set. he gets his 50th cap. He's had the greatest week of an individual I've ever seen. So he didn't mind away games and he loves South Africa. Matthew, <laughs> was, no, it was a very good week in Durban. I love Durban too. They, they had a nightclub in just across from the Oval, and they had all the barbecues. Durban was a great spot to play. And the great thing about Durban is that the stands are just vertical, like you know, uh, stands like on like like thirty degrees, if that. In Durban, they're like on handrails in front of you because it's so steep. There's no occupation, health and safety. It's just the stand. It's, they're just on top of you. Durban's one of the loudest fields you played in. And I actually, that week from before my 50s, I walked up to the top. I, not, I got the lift up. I lied. I got the lift up to the top and sat up there. You actually get vertigo up there. I just wanted to get take it all in. It's just an incredible, amazing place. The barbecues after the game. There's a nightclub called 80s that used to be there. It was just awesome. We were just... The, the barbecue, it was just an awesome place. And um, I remember that game and me and Butch James had a run in, and no, but I really enjoyed it. It was good fun. And the great thing about the Rand, so cheap, the shout was 60 vodka lime sodas. I'm like, <laughs> it was 60 drinks was the shout. Because and, every, and all the young blokes who were just starting out thought, geez, the older boys are looking after us here on tour. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't worked out the exchange rate yet. It's a $40 oh. shout.
Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, the dollar, the dollar, dollar twenty for a castle beer, wasn't it? More yeah. equivalent. Like a dollar for a beer is that? It was a bit less. It was just that. Was, yeah, it still cost me a lot of money though. <laughs> <laughs> a text yeah. on the text line uh, before we let you go, Matt. Um, it's from Muzz. Matt Dunning is living proof that prop forwards are the smartest and best looking players on a rugby pitch. Love your work, Matt. One of my favourite players ever. So is Morgs as well. So a little compliment for you from Muzz there, Matt. Oh, that's very kind. Very kind. Um, I always said the most important person in your team is a tight head prop and the second most is a reserve tight head prop. So uh, obviously someone who agrees with that. <laughs> oh, Matt Dunning. Uh, great to catch up, mate. Thank you for sharing a, a couple of those old stories. Enjoy um, the hospitality over there in Auckland this, after, uh, this afternoon. Will. And um, yeah, thanks for joining us on the Moles Club. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. One of the true greats, Matt Dunning, joining us. Uh, we're off to a quick break and we've got our last half hour of Jibber coming up on the Moles Club. Welcome back. So the Sydney Roosters, apparently last week before the game against Melbourne, they had an honesty session. Like they just sat down in a big circle and just told each other what they thought of each other. No holds barred. They came out and lost. But it was an improved performance from the Roosters. They'll be looking for more across this weekend. But it made us think here at uh, the Mowers Club, Morgan Tiranui and Gibbo, um, Honesty sessions, do they work? Have you ever been involved in one with a professional sporting outfit? I think every team. I think every team at some stage has them. I've, had, I've been involved in plenty of them. What I find is it makes good environments better mm. and bad environments worse. <laughs> so I think you can see that if, if a, oh, the Roosters, is, the Chooks are a good environment. I can see them yeah. bouncing up out of this long term, and I think they would have anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, if there's cracks in an organisation or a group, it makes those the Grand Canyon. Because you were at the Waratahs across a few years where there were there were issues, let's face it. They're, like they're, they were always hyped up the Tars as, you know, they've got the best, they've got the most Wallabies, the Glamour Club, they live in Sydney. You know, they should get it done. They should be the Australian team in Super Rugby and they should win the whole bloody thing most of the time. And they didn't. But was there ever honesty sessions with the Tars and that kind of, like you said, that, not a great environment turned a little worse. Yeah, I was I was quite lucky that when I came in was sort of the upward spiral. I came off the back after they'd got flogged ninety six nineteen by the Crusaders the year before, and I I started the year after. But there were some historical stories. The best story that some of the older guys told was that they had a a, a truth line, truth where, line, a truth line where you they lined everyone up and you had to put yourself in the position, the top being the best performed in the team and the bottom being the worst performed in the team for how you've played this year. Yeah. And you had to put yourself where you thought you belonged and you could move someone else. <laughs> and it wasn't a great organisation. This is, this is early, I think this is like late 90, early 2000s. Yeah, and, and I think what it meant was the, they had real issues with, I, think, I don't even know who was in charge of it then. What big brain thought of that? Oh, it's not one of the better ones, I don't think. Um, and yeah, I think the story was that, you know, a lot of the senior guys who are, a lot of the problems put themselves up the top, mm. the younger guys weren't brave enough to move the senior guys. So they just put themselves near the bottom and a, and a few people took a bit each way and just jumped in the middle and tried to stay <laughs> under the radar. And that was, that group fell apart pretty quickly after that. We had, uh, we had, uh, Ray McLean from leading teams come into a lot of work with us who did a lot of work with the Swans. Yeah. Uh, and, and we had a thing that we end up calling them stop, start keeps because you had to talk about things you needed to stop doing mm. things you needed to start doing and things you needed to keep doing. Uh-huh. Um, it's around it's an individual feedback, which is pretty confronting. You had to talk about what you thought your teammates thought of you and those things once again in a in a in a trusted trusting environment with good people 
they can strengthen you because you can you can drag, you can raise the tide across the group. If there are issues within a group, then that just breaks them all apart. So did you, in those sessions, the stop, start, keep sessions, did you hear something that you didn't know about yourself? Yeah, so often it was the things you sort of knew about yourself. That The real issue with the people, some people that were not self-aware enough that they were so shocked at what they heard, it was completely different. <laughs> It was like, you know, I'm hardworking, I'm for the team. And then everyone goes, well, you're selfish and you're this and that. That's, that, that's confronting for some people. And some, some personalities deal with it better than others. Um, Did you see anyone lose it? And I'd love a name, but I know you're not going to yeah, give no, me one. No, well, as I said, when I was there, it wasn't a bad group. We were okay. Yeah. Um, but it was confronting for some guys to because it was also around attitudes. It wasn't, also, it wasn't really around how well you played on the field. So lots yeah. of guys trained poorly weren't consistent, were often late, and were one of our best players on the field. So it was – always found that – and it was very much transplanted straight across from AFL to us. And AFL was much more of a, a, an objective measurement game. It was mm. about involvements and disposals and those sort of things that can be tied to effort. So much technical expertise required in rugby that some guys were technically amazing but not always the greatest trainers and all those sorts of things. So it was mm. balancing having the great, you know, Rebels X-Factor players – uh, with the the reliability of some players, so that's always those interesting one. The, the other the other one with rugby is the the famous Camp Staldrad, which the South African team before the two thousand and three World Cup went in, went into the bush and camp. Their coach Rudolf Strali threw them in a lake, wouldn't let them get out. They had people with guns. They threw three chickens and some matches into a ditch and left them in there. He made them knock each other out, and then they were all supposed to sit around a campfire and tell each other all their vulnerabilities and and how how everyone else should be better and that they just never recovered. It was disintegration of South African rugby and it took them a long time to recover. It was like that uh, Adelaide Crows Yeah, it was, it was genuinely camp. that, yep. That um, they, like, they were looking for that little bit extra, that little bit extra and always looking for that little bit extra and thinking outside the square sometimes can work and sometimes, such as, say, Essendon, it doesn't work. You're looking for that little yeah. tiny bit extra. Be careful what that little bit extra is. Yeah, but like that—that that was all down to okay. How can we get a little bit better? And they obviously crossed the line that they regret for the rest of their time. The, the people involved, but it's weird how carried away people get, and they—they kind of go, okay, we've got to—we've got to find something else here. We've got to do something else. Where really, sports are pretty basic existence. It is about winning and losing, and it's about trying to get the most out of yourself on a day-to-day basis and trying to improve. Is there much more to it than that? No, I think that the secret is there's no great secret. Yeah. It's work hard, uh, know what you're supposed to do, have lots of shared experience with the players around you so you're a cohesive group and stay consistent and stay the course. Mm. And that's it's not magic. It's not a click-your-fingers solution. So uh, vulnerable, inexperienced staff and coaches and organisations can look for a quick fix and that all often makes things worse. Mm. Um, you know, I say it again. If you stay the course... In, in a program that you believe in and, and keep working on the things you think will work for you, then that's enough. Hey, um, Gibbo, you can give us a honesty session here of maybe appraise, um, give us an appraisal of my work this morning. So I'm, I'm look, I, I take the opinion that I have very low expectations. So anything good that happens is a bonus. Yeah. And if anything bad happens, well, it's half expected and don't really care. Um, but yeah, be honest, mate, go for it. No, you've been, yeah, you've been good this morning, Adam. I, one thing that always gripes me about Adam's performances, his screen time is unbelievable. I, I would like a little bit more attention to your workmates, maybe, you know, conversing in the ad break, what we're yeah. up to this afternoon, things like that. Usually, it's straight into the phone. 
I don't know, checking Instagram, Twitter, stuff like that. But no, there's a certain app that I'm on with reference to financial investment oh, this oh, afternoon. The I didn't know if you were swiping what you were doing. Uh, no. no like a certain app, don't talk about Financially, that, that wouldn't be very prudent. Are you, were you watching forward. Winning Time again on your phone? Was that it? <laughs> yes, I think exactly. The Playboy Mansion? Mate, you, exactly. you looked up from your phone and I got excited, but you went outside to do some putting outside. <laughs> <laughs> Talk a bit of football outside I was just trying Alex. to work out what the investment would be. So, sorry, gents. No. I'll take that on board. Well... Right back Stuff at me. Stuff you, mate. I'm not. No. Right back at me, Adam. Look, I'm always trying to get better. What, what, what do I need to work on? Um, I'll try and get in at five for you. You know, five thirty is a bit later than my usual time this morning. But I don't know if it's possible with the amount of talking that you do. If you can maybe clear your throat a bit more before you start talking, because sometimes yeah. you get to the end of a sentence and it gets really, really scratchy. Mm. That's a very technical point, especially when it comes to radio, because it's all about talking, isn't it, Walt? But apart from that. Um, you've made it very easy for me. I just rock up. You print the rundown for me. I sit in here 60 seconds beforehand and I, we just talk. So no, I can't complain at all, Gibbo. So no bungers downstairs before work. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah. Just yeah, okay. avoid those. Only the one or Saving two. yourself from yourself a yeah. little bit. <laughs> and you know what I love? I, I've got a positive thing. How you turn my mic on, but you don't turn Adam's on. Yeah, yeah. Mine automatically comes on and you're just sitting there having to do it yourself. No. I feel special. Well, I mean, we got to ask why Adam turns his mic off in the first place. <laughs> well, what, what, what are you going to turn it off for, mate? The cough. Oh, the cough, yeah, yeah. People don't hear me cough. Well. I, yeah. Have you got an appraisal for Morgs? Or oh, you... Morgs, look, outstanding this morning. Mm. Outstanding. No, I don't want the positive. See, I'm a professional athlete. The other thing is we, we're used to brutal honesty, so we actually okay. crave feedback. So yeah, rip I'll in. Go, rip okay. in. Don't be nice. Look, uh, I felt you could have probably had a few more touches of the ball with Mitch Duke. You know, that, that's fair enough. I didn't give you too much on the soccer notice. I, I'm not a I'm not a football man, I'll, I'll be honest. So maybe a few extra early touches. But I love when you came in with the celebrations. Perfect. Mm. And besides that, no, you're on time. You know, you're more, better time than Nick usually does. So That's not hard. I like Thanks, it. I'm just writing these down. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not and maybe when you talk to uh, Mike Sneesby, if that's his name, at Channel yep. 9, just, just um, give me a mention. <laughs> Mate, surfing. He'd want to get his name right oh. if you do. Well, the one thing we want, isn't it, Gibbo? We want this is the key. If that's his name. <laughs> don't worry, he's not listening. Uh, oh, well. um, I don't know who will. The one thing we want, don't we, Gibbo, is we need the Hossegor, the Quicksilver yes. Pro in Hossegor in France, which will be on at the same time, usually, as the World Cup of Rugby next year in 2023. Mm. It needs to come back up to the main tour. Yep. That could be a great day for rugby fans. Portugal as well. If we can mm. get Portugal we can in do the that mix. Too. Yep. Mm. Mate, I, I think the European leg stand sport need to invest in surfing. Ronnie Blakey out, <laughs> Adam Peacock, Morgan Tiranui, and me. Yeah. In. Don't know if I'd get a start saying I don't surf, but hey. Well, you've written a few articles about surfing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me an yeah. expert. You live, you live mate, near the if, beach. If those who can't do aren't allowed to report on that, there'll <laughs> yeah, be no is... one left. <laughs> like that McArdle fella <laughs> oh. over at uh, No. Morning, Nick, if you're listening. Surprised if you are. Uh, he's always listening. I've worked out. <sighs> that was our honesty session. I think, Gibbo, we're half a chance of making that a regular thing in this time slot. <laughs> we yeah. usually, we're looking for something at 11.30 on this show. Yeah. And I think the honesty oh, session. Are we? Are we? <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. Well, I have to say we, we half plagiarized it from um, Max Rushton over the summer when he was doing afternoon, mm. summer drive. He brought in the quarter to six debrief and yeah. it, it didn't quite go over to the run home. So, look, if you're not going to use a segment, we'll definitely use it here. Nah, we're honesty session, Saturday morning honesty session, lock it in. 
Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Morgan Tiranui's been uh, elite this morning in for Nick Davis and uh, he's so elite he's handed up the choice of music to Gibbo so we could be in for anything to see us out here uh, this morning, Morgan. So what is on the Savo? You have to watch a bit of uh, rugby? Uh, yep, uh, Ramick, Grades and Colts are playing out at Granville Park, the new Eric Tweedale Stadium out in Parramatta playing the yeah. Western Sydney Two Blues. So I go out and watch a bit of footy and Young Blokes playing against Knox this afternoon for Waverley. So are you going to be in two places? I'm going to miss that. Are you going to miss that to go yeah, and watch Randwick yeah, play? Yeah, got to got to support them. He's all right. His mother will be there. She'll because <laughs> I'll just critique how he plays. Oh, she'll at least be positive, and no matter what he does, she'll say he played well. Have you been banned? Have you? He has mentioned a couple of times that he feels he doesn't feel like he plays as well when I'm okay. there. So go away, Dad. Yeah. You were saying before, like your one of your sons was in the PSG academy. That's when you him. Were yeah, he's playing rugby yeah. now. Yeah. So he's playing rugby. But you were saying you've never seen an environment like it with the parents over it, like the the. The soccer dads and mums, if you like, over in Paris. Yeah, Sid- Sydney parents aren't great, but but the Parisian and the, the Ile de France, the whole region of Paris, obviously right behind PSG, and all they want is their kids involved, and it is the avenue out of of their socioeconomic status sometimes, and the parents mm. are just disgraceful, really. It just you'd almost consider pulling your kids out because it means so much. They don't, it's a very individual sport the way they play their football there. It's their it's just their ticket out of there sometimes, and they, the pressure on the kids, the the way they carry on the side of the the genuine abuse of the officials is disgusting. Awesome, great. The, well, what is it? What do you call it? The beautiful game. The eh? beautiful game. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm heading out to uh, Moorbank this afternoon for some beautiful game at the old Ernie Smith Reserve, watching the Manly United kids run around against uh, SD Raiders. Gibbo, so no. Uh, no rugby this afternoon. Could be danger time. Yeah, it's real danger time. I haven't had a drink for about three weeks. Oh, so I'm going straight time. down to the bolo in Harbord. Yeah. I'm going to watch all the footy roll into the rugby union. It's one of those afternoons you really look for when you haven't Ooh. had it for a while. So I reckon so you'll be, be picketing outside Cremoyne McDonald's too. <laughs> yeah, well. drive through. Yeah, me and the rest of us. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. I reckon you're 150 to 1 to see the first at Ascot tonight. Somehow, if you're going to set yourself up... Uh, First about... at Ascot, yeah. A tin, we'll try that as well. <laughs> uh, we're done, I reckon, this afternoon. Crunch time, Joel Kane, Adrian Prashenko, and also James Magnuson is on the way. They'll be talking all footy. Gibbo, your music out. Thanks for your time on the Mowers Club. Have a good one. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.